Hello everyone, this is episode number 137 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is November 15th, 2019. I'm Robert Ring, with me is Jay Totoro. Hello sir. And please welcome Vaughn Hyde and Josh Nightish. Josh Nightish, that is. Of Indie Close Incursion, enough. an Indie Games <laughs> podcast. I thought you were going to fuck it up. <laughs> That's why I don't actually say it. I specifically asked him once if he didn't mind it. And he's like, yeah, but you're not going to say it, right? It's yeah. the it's the SH on the end of both of the names that messes that messed me up, I think. It's fine. It's nigh, like just nigh, N-Y, and then dish. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> but it's like a tongue it, twister, kind of. Kind of? I mean, I guess so. Not oh, really, uh, but that. But for some reason, that just that specific aspect of it messed me up. Josh and, and Vaughn, how how are you guys doing? Pretty good. It's a good day. Um, not super late for me. Suck it, Josh. I'm just I chilling. I'm I'm excited to talk about some classic video games. We yeah, are it'll be a nice change of pace. That's for sure. Yeah, it will be for you guys. Um, first of all, thank you guys for coming on the show. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, we as as I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh, Jay and I in the Classic Gaming Podcast have recently joined the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Um, Vaughn and Josh's podcast, uh, Indian Incursion, is also part of that network. So when we joined, I was like, you know, I need to check out some of the other ones. And I was listening to Indian Incursion. And I was like, you know, these these guys are kind of like, their podcast is a lot like ours, except like 50% of the like length but like the format and kind of the whole like the casual tone and all that is really similar to ours. So uh, I thought it would be I thought it would work out pretty well to to, to have them on. You guys are fun. I like your podcast. And uh, oh, so thank you. So I so I think this will be a I think this will be a good time. Let's do it. Some might say it's a banger. I fucking hate you. <laughs> God damn it. I feel like that's a Canadian expression. Am I wrong saying that? Uh, well, I'm definitely not Canadian, but uh, sure, why not? <laughs> Can you check again? Uh, uh, let me check the database. Uh, yep, definitely Canadian. You're right. <laughs> Josh, I thought you were from the long dong of the United States, Florida, as other people. Oh are no, the long dong. <laughs> you guys, uh, why don't you tell us real quick? Just give us a quick rundown of Indie Incursion. You want to go for it, Vaughn? Yeah, Indie Incursion is an indie games podcast. Obviously, be honest. How long did you guys think it was Indie Incursion? By the way, Indian Persian. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we. Like I never thought that. No, I know, but it does sound like a tasty dish. Ooh. Yeah, uh, Joseph uh, over on Active Quest for a while apparently thought it was Indian Persian, and I was like, <laughs> "That's awesome! I'm so glad. I should have named it something easier." Did, did yeah, you never like look at the title when was he was playing say, the podcast. Like, or think, or think about the title. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure. He just said it once on Active Quest, and I was like. And then I think I talked to somebody else about it too, and they're like, "No, yeah, I totally thought that." Or like, it's, <laughs> he's it's like, just it's... the way I say it. Apparently, during some of the podcasts, so now I like take the intro really slow. <laughs> that Maybe way, I don't mess it up. He's probably me. like really, really interested in Indian culture and history. He's like, "I wish these guys would get back on topic someday." Yeah, right. Don't talk <laughs> about video games. <laughs> well, we do happen to veer off from the main topic quite a lot, so wouldn't put Robert it past and I us. never do that. Not ever. Yeah, we never do Not that ever, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, on the podcast, we every week talk about indie games news. We talk about some indie games on Kickstarter, and uh, we have like random questions we get from the audience, which typically are just super weird. Uh, I went into like super 
in depth talking about upper deckers a couple weeks ago. Oh, of course, you would bring this with you. That's a that's a good topic. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually fantastic. dealt with one of those before. Best question. Oh, that's what? gross. You dealt with, <laughs> you dealt with one I, of those? I've talked about this before. I, no. I, when I used to work at Subway, somebody did an upper decker in no. the toilet. Oh yeah, 100%. they give you an upper decker deluxe though. That's Dude, the real bad one. I had multiple instances of people doing crazy things with fecal matter at Subway. It was actually insane. Oh. The toilet—they declared it a biohazard and had to be replaced. Same with the pipes. I'm never <laughs> gonna go to a fucking Subway again. Wow, Welcome to that's, that's terrible. Holy shit! <laughs> it was pretty. Exactly. I was dying. I was like three weeks in. I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? I'm 17 years old. Like, what? Do I do something? Like, wow, what a what a job. That's great. Is that oh. your first? Yeah, that was my first job. I was like, oh, oh, what a way to get welcomed about. into the working community. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's this is what shit for the rest of your life. I almost just for a second thought it would be a good side talking point to say, what's you guys' grossest uh, encounter in a public restroom? And then I decided I really don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to play that game. Yeah. <laughs> I will I've tell never you, that's had a the gross encounter. Huh? You've never had I've never had like a necessarily a gross encounter, but I had one of my worst fears come true in a bathroom. Like not too long ago, it was actually just a couple months ago. I was like mm-hmm. sitting in a stall, and if you know me at all, I'm afraid of everything. That's why when you said that there was upper deckers in Arizona, I was like, wow, a spider epidemic and a poo epidemic? I'm not going to Arizona ever Wait, spider in my epidemic? life. Who said that? I've heard there's a lot of spiders. Oh, yeah, there's spiders. <laughs> there's snakes an epidemic. Damn, what? Oh, yeah, man, that was fuck terrifying. that. I'm not a fan of spiders. I could just... Yeah. Nah, not even a little bit. But yeah, I was like Scorpion sitting doors. in a stall and uh, I had locked it and some dude somehow just popped open the stall door. Oh nice. my God. That's my worst nightmare. I'm what not even say? joking. I what literally just like planted my hand on the door and I was like, occupied. And the <laughs> guy was like, okay. It's the worst experience ever. That's I was like, dude, crazy. fuck off. It's closed for a reason. That seems weird. Dude, once, think, one time how did I they was, not see your feet like there? Huh? <laughs> one time I Josh was in it. one time I was in a bathroom and there was like bright red blood all over the toilet seat. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh. Maybe this is why we didn't get into the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, this is precisely why. Let's move on. All right. Hey, real quick, what is I, I want to know y'all's favorite indie game? Ooh. That's a good question. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, so my favorite indie game... Actually, that's really tough. Uh, I think my favorite would have to be uh, something that I've gone back to for hours upon hours, which is actually recent. Uh, I used to play it when it came out for early access, but Slay of the Spire. Mm. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's your favorite yeah. indie game. Yeah, cool. I would say so. I've put so much time into it. Uh, and I just love the replayability and what it did to that genre it basically re-envisioned uh card games and adding the roguelike element to it uh obviously there were games before it that kind of did it but never in the way that um slay the spire was able to actually conceptualize and i feel like ever since it's been just card game city uh which is kind of bad because there's a lot out there now but I really love it. Like, it's such a good game. It's also where he learned his love of card games. So I actually no, I hate card games. You're just such a liar, dude. Just come, just <laughs> come to grips with it. You love card games. I'll never no because I hate card games. It's I love games with card mechanics. It's not card games. That's such a cop out. It's not because <laughs> if you were like, hey, do you want to play Hearthstone? I'd be like, no 
fucking way. That would be terrible. But if you were like, hey, do you want to play this game that's like Hearthstone, but instead you're crawling through a dungeon and you got to fight enemies and it's random cards and there's power-ups and things like that, I'd be like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> For me, my favorite indie game, it kind of depends on your definition of an indie game, which is often an issue we have on the podcast. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, but if you go on my loose definition, it would be Psychonauts. It was a game I played a shitload as a kid. That's and, a little loose, yeah. That's kind of a loose. Yeah, because <laughs> technically, when they published it, they like, I believe Double Fine independently published it way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then since then, they published it with different partners and now are owned by Microsoft. So it's just a whole <laughs> thing. But other than that, I would have to say Hollow Knight, even though I'm never going to beat it in my oh, lifetime. Cool. It's just never going to happen. I, I love in the you. introduction of lore and I really like Metroidvanias. Plus, it made me realize that I love bugs, but not real bugs though. Just like artistic rendition of bugs. So you're coming to Arizona bugs. then? No, fuck that. It's never gonna happen. There's, I've heard there's poo <laughs> everywhere. No, that's San Francisco. Poo and bugs with poo on them. Yeah, there's like poo police in San Francisco. I've heard. Yeah. Wow. What? There's, <laughs> there's a homeless poo. there's a homeless problem there. Oh well, yeah, but yeah, so they some lady literally had a report on her head. I read this week. Oh my god. I was going to go to San Francisco. You're not going to leave your house anymore, are you? You're never going to leave your house anymore. I think I need to stop having human interaction because it's just worsening (laughs) the world. Uh, I'm a a pretty big indie game fan in general. Nice uh, transition. (laughs) Yeah, right? Speaking of diarrhea. Speaking of of diarrhea. uh, And actually, when when I was starting this podcast... It was, I couldn't decide whether to start a classic games podcast or an indie games podcast. Hmm. And, well, thanks uh, for not starting an indie one. Yeah, yeah that's what I was about to say. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I, I like listening to yours as a huge indie fan. And actually, I am working on an indie game Ooh, uh, right now. Interesting. That's it, pretty cool. Does it have cards? Josh will be a fan. <laughs> but it can't be sorry about no cards. cards. No cards? All right. Well, then sorry. I still might love it. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. <laughs> um what's it what's it about oh okay so it is ba- so my concept for this i've been working on this one for i started actually in january so it's got a ways to go and it is a uh have either of you guys or are you guys familiar with dwarf fortress at all dwarf fortress yeah yeah okay my concept th- th- basically that in space uh oh, okay so instead of running a fortress with dwarves it's a, uh, you're running a ship and ah. basically, and that's, that's kind of the gist of it. I, you know, without getting, without getting too in depth, uh, into, okay. into the things, it's the, the concept is just kind of like you have a ship, you're going around doing things, taking jobs, doing kind of whatever you feel like building up your ship, building up your crew and just lasting as long as you can until something kills you more or less. Dope. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So anyways, thank you guys for coming on. Um, <laughs> Everybody, yeah, make absolutely. sure you check out uh, Indian Incursion. And let's get on with the show. Let's talk about news. Medieval, the remake of Medieval, which was originally a PS1 game. Uh, the remake for that has come out for PS4. That's pretty much all there is to say about that one. Um, <laughs> Good news. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear about this, Jay? Uh, Final Fantasy XI is doing, or it's almost done now. Uh, a re- a return home to Vanadil campaign 
where like if you ever had a if you've ever had a uh, Final Fantasy Eleven account, then you could play free from like November eighth to November eighteenth. Oh, I didn't hear about this. Something that's like kind of that. cool. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. It's it's cool that that I didn't even realize it was like a couple years ago on the podcast. I saw something about. It, I was like, wow, they still have the servers up for that game. That's like it's not as old as WoW, but obviously it's not as big as WoW either. So I kind of always until then had assumed that it was didn't you know basically there are a lot of MMOs that shut down their servers too so it's it is actually really impressive that they're still going so that's pretty cool uh jay why don't you tell us about this wow (laughs) esports fiasco as if blizzard couldn't dig a bigger fucking hole for themselves sure Uh, i don't know the (laughs) details about it so why don't you give us a rundown yeah there's a couple things too so blizzard you know obviously being as great as they have been in the recent weeks and months um they did some really great stuff this week. They started off by apologizing for the way that they handled the situation with, with Hearthstone player uh, being fined and, and banned. Or, or I, I can't see, I can't visually see your air quotes over. Yeah, the word no, they actually did a formal apology, but they did not make any adjustments to the punishments. That was within. that was not an yeah. apology. Yeah, that's the that's the joke. So they they basically did a formal apology. They're like, yep, but we still stand by what we did, and you know, middle fingers in the air. Um, so Blizzard doing what they do best. So what they did this time is essentially they, they announced that they were going to have a prize pool, uh, of $500,000 for two upcoming events. Um, and then what they were going to do is they essentially were going to split the two prize pools between the two games. Uh, one was for PVE focused in while and the other ones for PVP. And essentially what they decided to do is they were going to sell a product and then a percentage of the sales, I think it was like 12.5%, uh, would go towards the prize pools for both these tournaments. So for every product sold, it would go into the prize pool, and in the end, they would split it in half and put it between the two uh, two teams that win uh, each each of the individual events. So what they actually did, and they, they basically backed out of this saying, well, we didn't actually mean it like that. So the way it was received... We didn't the way mean the it like that. Yeah, yeah. This is the, so they said it in a way that everybody understood it, and then they came back later and said, that's not what we meant. So what they what they initially said was, hey, we're going to put up five hundred grand, and then twelve point five percent of each product sold is going to be split amongst the the, the two hundred fifty thousand prize pool, and we're going to have this really big um, prize pool. So what they actually did is the uh, enough of the product sold to where the twelve point five percent, or I believe it is, uh, equated to six hundred and sixty thousand. So it surpassed the initial amount uh, just based on these products being sold. So Blizzard made a fuck ton of money, right? And so what they did is they said, yeah, so we're going to put the 660000 into the prize pool. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Basically, they're not going to put in their initial 500000 which would have made it like 1.1, almost $1.2 million. Yeah. They have been getting flack after flack. Um, I saw this earlier this week. A couple, couple of people I know who were actually going to compete in this um, obviously are super thrilled about it. Uh, Blizzard's trying to back out of it, saying that's not what they expressed. It was misunderstood, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, they knew. They just didn't anticipate it yeah. to sell this well. And it's really unfortunate because... It's just Blizzard shooting themselves in the foot again. Just oh, it's so crazy. Blizzard sucks. Yeah, they really, <laughs> no, it's it's so true. BlizzCon was such a letdown too. Did we did we even talk about BlizzCon? Last no, time? we haven't had an episode. Since, we don't. We don't have to. I mean, since BlizzCon, it, yo, I'm sure Diablo yeah. Four looks not good. <laughs> I, I, I mean, not impressed at all. There are a lot of people who are impressed with it, but my my like in all seriousness, it doesn't matter how good these games look it's blizzard they have a number of years to fuck this up so it's no matter how great these games look i know a lot of people are very hyped about the new wow expansion about the new hearthstone content about diablo 4 diablo mortals but i mean realistically when was the last time that blizzard released a, a an updated ip that did well 
you know what I mean? Like Diablo 3 was great, it flopped. Overwatch was great, then it flopped. StarCraft's been dead for 10 years. Hearthstone's dying. WoW is, they won't tell us how it's doing, but we assume it's not doing well. So it's like, uh, I have very little faith in their ability to to produce quality anymore, which is really I mean, sad. What's your, yeah. what's your definition of flop, though? Because from a monetary standpoint, I feel like they're still doing okay with things like Overwatch and Diablo 3. That's what I've heard. So when I say flop, I mean it's something where me and everybody I know is no longer playing. You're saying from a fan base, like what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, because they essentially Diablo, Diablo, uh, Blizzard took a turn where they were like, okay, we're going to make everything that we work on less tailored to the hardcore fans yep. and more to a popular consumerism uh, standpoint of, yeah, exactly, the casual players because it's where the money goes. If they want to have crazy high sales, they need to make it accessible to every single person. That's why the difference between a Diablo 2 and a Diablo 3 is so drastic. And it's why I look at Diablo 4 and I'm not impressed at all because all they did, you look at Diablo 4 and it looks exactly like 3, but they just put a gritty filter on top of it. Yeah. And until I see like actual the the build, like the skill trees, their customization in like gems or runes, like until we have something like that, it's literally just going to be Diablo 3. But to be yeah. fair, wasn't a big complaint about Diablo 3 just about the way it looks, like being too bright that and That it was colorful? too bright. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I get that, but that's I don't not the care. Main yeah, like I, I want the actual gameplay part because doesn't. yeah, it doesn't look as crazy, uh, you know, as far as like a gritty, a you know, it, it doesn't match the theme as well as it really should. Um, but if a game is really, really good and really fun to play, then it doesn't matter as much. Like it's the same concept of, uh, especially when it comes to like us always talking about indie games from a graphic like fidelity standpoint. It doesn't have to be good; it just has to be really fun. Yep. And right. we play classic games, right? So we, we were in the same boat and that notion. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's one of the things is if it's really fun, it doesn't matter what it looks like because it has that thing to grab you. And with Diablo or a lot of Blizzard games, it's all about the constant gameplay loop because most of their yep. games are really the same thing over and over again. And if there's nothing that really pulls you, like I've played for a couple of seasons every so often going back into Diablo 3 and it's like every time it's, less and less time that i can stand going back into it because yeah. i'm like this is just the same thing but it's not yeah. fun yeah i think you hit on a good point um what's also interesting is during blizzcon they didn't talk about classic wow really at all they said like one minor patch but they kept their entire focus on on the new wow expansion i mean you're right i mean blizzard is definitely going towards what is making them the most money and that's what's sad i mean i understand that you know that market is going to make them more revenue and then obviously the chinese market as well so i understand that it's just really disappointing because blizzard was one of those one of the few developers that consistently put out quality that everybody really yeah. liked mm -hmm. i mean that's what they what were that's we what they also were known expect for. them yeah what would we also expect them to do with classic wow like uh, uh go through all of the older expansions um they talked about a bunch of different things they said they said they essentially wanted to open up the community to either redo the content from start to finish or possibly go a different route or possibly add additional content to the end of each um, each segment they talked about a couple different things. But that's what I was really hoping they were going to do is like an open panel at BlizzCon and get people's feedback. But they literally mentioned that they were going to release a large patch like two weeks later. And that was really all I saw they mentioned of it. It would be really cool to see them kind of make a separate timeline yeah, for World like of Warcraft. Right? Yeah. Uh, most of my experience with Blizzard is only through World of Warcraft. And like you guys said, they've really basically dumbed down all of their games to try to make it accessible for the casual. Um, like World of Warcraft, they've basically 
done everything to silo you into one thing. Like hunters used to be able to do all sorts of different stuff, which is what I main in World of Warcraft. But now you basically, if you're a beast mastery hunter, you only get the option of using ranged weapons instead of kind of mixing up your loadout and using a pole arm or something. It's kind of weird with MMOs. I feel like the way to keep them going is to dumb them down, which is kind of odd. Um, cause like star Wars, the old Republic, which I've been playing recently used Ugh. to be a bit more Wait, hardcore. Do they have private servers for that? I don't, I don't think so. No. Wait. Oh, are, you're playing on live servers. I didn't even know those servers are still up for that. Yeah. Star Wars, the old Republic, oh, yeah, this is good. star Wars online. It's star Wars, the old Republic by Bioware. Oh, okay. Is that the one that came out like 10 years ago? I want to say. It was like five um, years ago, wasn't it? Okay, no, it's a different one then. Okay, never mind. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, after like they basically shut down Star Wars Online, I don't know how long went by, but Bioware kicked up kind of a more story-driven, um, choice-based uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, which is what that is. And uh, it's kind of interesting. They've dumbed it down a little bit, but yeah. not too much. But uh, now instead of... Beforehand, you had to get up to... you would choose a class, get up to level 10, and then choose basically a subclass, like your specialization, sure. like standard MMOs. But now they have you choose it immediately so you can get going with your combat style, <laughs> which is kind of annoying. Uh, but yeah, apparently, like I think uh, it was either GameSpot or Polygon put out a... Um, they put out an article saying, like, I think this one game has made like $1.2 billion or Jesus. something like that. Oof. And Damn. it actually makes a lot of sense um, because of their monetization scheme, which is kind of hilarious that nobody really talks about it. They really nickel and dime you. Um, I love this game and they really do. So if you want, like, if you pay the subscription, you get all of the additional content, which is really cool. But, and it's like, all of this awesome story content that will last you hundreds of hours. But you also, if you want to play other races, you have to buy them. Um, and if you pay the subscription, you get cartel coins, which is how you would purchase them. But you only get like 500, which is kind of upsetting. And then they release additional companions that you can get because like standard Bioware games, you can have companions. They now have it to where you purchase them through the store like extra ones like you can get an ewok companion and you have to buy it through the store yeah That's it's great. i love it's, buying my friends yeah. <laughs> however much people talk shit about ea i love how often nobody brings up star wars the older public because it's the most egregious example of monetization <laughs> oh, and it's shut it down and bring me kotor 3 damn it <laughs> that's crazy like we said tangents we're gonna do lots of the tangents <laughs> yeah i like how we went from blizzcon to that <laughs> So it's kind of super disappointing. <laughs> Anything else, Jay, on the Blizzard front that you think we need to go over? Mm, no, I, I think that kind of covered. I think we all kind of share the same sentiment. I think most of the public does as well. So no. yeah, I, I think so. But okay. hey, man, at least uh, you know Bethesda isn't getting shit on. Oh, stop! <laughs> <laughs> I was actually gonna bring that up. Bring up the Fallout. Okay, well, you basically did. Let's do it real quick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Fallout first. Obviously, yes, not a classic thing, but we covered it just because it was such a disaster when it first happened. We just had to talk about it. I had it written here. I was going to skip it for the sake of time, but let's talk about it. Bethesda has announced Fallout first, which is a premium membership for Fallout 76. Oh. Uh, for one year, 
it's ninety nine dollars. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like fifteen bucks a month. I, I think, think if 12. you want to pay monthly, is it twelve? Still, it's twelve. It's, it's twelve ninety. It's twelve ninety nine if you pay monthly. <laughs> um, what? Are they insane? Vaughn, <laughs> you're act- you play Fallout seventy six, don't you? I do. Okay, so why don't you tell us about this then? Getting past the immediate like kind of lack of value, which I'm I'm gonna say right now. I would probably pay the twelve ninety nine just to get the NCR Ranger outfit because it's super fucking dope. But that's just me because I'm a psychopath. But yes. other than that, um, if you were to pay the twelve ninety nine, you get access to supposedly, and these are air quotes so you guys can't see them, private servers, which are not actually <laughs> private servers. They're they are. Masked. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious because. Uh, the only person, so the owner of the private server has to be there or anybody else who's within it gets kicked which is apparently a big issue i yeah i've never played with private servers before but apparently that's that's a problem so Um, so the person who owns a private server if they leave the game like you can only play if they're actively playing right then yeah they have to be in that private (laughs) server for it to exist yeah it's theirs it's not yours fuck off like you can go die build a base that doesn't matter it's mine So they also added a uh, they added a couple of different things. They added it to where you could get an unlimited scrap box, which is really, really cool because scrap is constantly weighing you down. And the kind of box that you could use before actually filled up, it had a certain weight limit. So that is really awesome. But then it turns out that's also deleting your scrap. The exact opposite of what you wanted to happen with a scrap box. Everybody loves that. And oh, then as... <laughs> On top of that, they also uh, a cool added benefit I should say is one the NCR Ranger armor, Ra- Ranger armor because that's super dope. Um, and two, you get an additional camp which allows you um, you can't actually fast travel to many points within Fallout seventy six. I believe you can still only fast travel between your uh, camp, which is your base that you set up, and the vault. So. Um, it basically fast travel, but it costs money, right? Isn't that the... yeah? The only time it's yeah, it costs caps, and caps are actually kind of hard to find. So you have to. Um, it, it's a lot easier because you can just fast travel for free between these things. So people will set them up as kind of outposts to make it easier to get into like harder to get to areas instead of running all the way there. But the funniest thing about Fallout First is actually that they mark you in some way. Um, they apparently they give you kind of like, I don't know if it's a star next to your name or anything like that, but they make you look special. And it turns out that because of that, these people have been being hunted down. In- <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> oh my God. People are hunting them down and murdering them for paying for this. So that's ultimately what deterred me from actually buying this was that. <laughs> what a that's hilarious. Because I'm just not good at games in general, but I don't need to be hunted down because I wanted some cool armor, guys. That's just upsetting. And it's... if I made it my own private server, nobody could play with me. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty damn rough. Like, I-, I can't believe they had the gall to do this in the same, like, month that they said, oh, hey, you remember how we promised that we would fix this game and put in all the stuff that you love about Fallout? Yeah, well, we're not doing that this year. Instead, we're going to push it back, but uh, you could give us $100 instead. How does that sound? Dude, Blizzard, hold my beer. That's literally Bethesda right now. <laughs> Watch this. Um, some they So Bethesda never uh, registered 
the uh, the domain. Oh, yeah, I heard, <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> they, you probably know more about it than I do, Vaughn. They so didn't Fallout register first. the domain for Fallout first. So somebody, like a disgruntled fan, took the domain and made them basically just goofed on them within this domain. So if you actually go to, I believe it's like falloutfirst.com. Yeah, you spell out the word first. Yeah, and it pops up and it's like (laughs) falloutfuckyoufirst.com. It says... (laughs) So go ahead. It's it's just an entire like website devoted to goofing on like this whole Fallout First idea. It's kind of hilarious. I on I kudos to the person who did this because it's fantastic. Yeah, they you can they actually it looks like they put a bit of time into this. Uh, The very top of the page says um. Ever since Fallout 76 launched, we have consistently done nothing to improve and, and evolve the experience based on your shitty feedback. That's why we're <laughs> excited to launch Fallout Fuck You First, a premium ass-pounding membership that offers something dumbass players have been asking for <laughs> since before launch. Private worlds for you and select uh, cough friends. So we decided to put it behind a paywall. In addition to this huge, quote, feature... Fallout Fuck You First also includes a host of pointless items and cult bonuses, all of which you can find on my foreskin. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, that's pretty good. This guy's a badass. Let's be real. It's pretty good too, because at the bottom of the page, he has a donation page of basically just being like, hey, for all the people who hate Fallout First, if you want to help me just fund the money to keep this always going and they he was like i'm trying to raise 110 dollars just to keep it open for a while and he's gotten a thousand dollars my gosh I mean, it's also we should give kudos to this guy not just because he created one of the best goofs within recent years on video games but also he's trying to do something positive which he has like an extra life link at the top of the page which is fantastic oh that's yeah. cool <laughs> So while he's boning Bethesda, he's also making funny, m- making money for the big, beautiful kids. My favorite thing so far about the whole Fallout fiasco is when they gave uh, like in-game credits for the people, like beca- because of like as a to try to make up for the false the advertising bag. of the bag, <laughs> yeah, and then and then it wasn't even enough money. To buy a skin of like a guy who has the real bag in game, <laughs> it just never ends. <laughs> Let alone their freaking like helmet that comes with it is like a is a biohazard, and it can get like <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking mold in it that'll literally like suffocate you. Yep. I mean, it's been a the theme it's a been fall. a roller coaster, guys. <laughs> Okay. It's a fantastic game, guys. You should play. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. When they put in the characters and NPCs and everything, I'm gonna go back into it, but uh, not anytime soon. It is really cool. They do a lot of really interesting stuff. I just think it's hilarious that, and I know that they need to backtrack because people want NPCs. They wanted to play a Fallout game with their friends, which means. You know, they would have NPCs because that's what Fallout is. But the biggest like gimmick for this, which made it so cool, at least to me, was that people were supposed to be the NPCs, which I talked on the podcast that I actually had one of those experiences. And it was really weird, just ultimately kind of like earth shatteringly weird. But it was really cool. And then they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to put in NPC like it's cool. 
It's fine. I mean, that's what they should do. I always oh, yeah. thought that would be. Them for it. <laughs> I always thought that would be a really cool thing to put in MMOs. Like I know this isn't based on your based on you know some people's definition. You might not consider this technically an MMO, but in generally speaking, MMOs. I th- I've always thought it would be a cool idea if there was a way to make it viable and you know to actually attract people to want to do that to have people do all of the things that are typically done by NPCs, like be a shop owner or you know just like more mundane stuff like that like i think that would be really fun yeah as a gigantic fan of isekai anime i think that would be absolutely fantastic because i would just open up a shop and sell useless shit all day <laughs> right. it'd be great and you I could just know. like and if there's somebody you didn't want to sell something to you just like no i don't like you you're not getting this yeah, and essentially in Fallout 76, there are people who take role-playing so seriously that they have done that, and they just become, like, shopkeepers, and they basically, like, go out the... They, they act out the plot of Moonlighter, where they go out and kill these high-level enemies and then sell it to, like, people, um, which is just super cool, but, yeah, that game's kind of a shit show. I love it, but it's it's totally a shit show. All right, well, it's continuing to uh, deliver. <laughs> so let's um let's talk about games. Let's talk about the classic games we've been playing lately. I think let's do this. I'm I'll go first, then I'll have you guys go, and then Jay's gonna go. Does that Ooh, work? Does that work out? Closer. All right, Jay. I think you're gonna be happy to hear about this. You, Ooh, you know, so you know, I told you I've been playing Octopath Traveler. Obviously, not a classic <laughs> game, but I told you that I've been playing that. And I really got sucked into it. I finally beat the, the the damn game, actually. It took me 69 hours. Nice. To, <laughs> to beat Octopath Traveler. Um, this is just a side note. You you can I, I didn't realize that you you're it actually technically counts as beating it when you just beat all of the missions for like the person that you started the game with. You don't have to beat it with everybody, but it took me, but I went ahead and finished it with everybody. And that's how long it took me to do that. But okay. so I was mentioning on the podcast a while back, I just kind of started playing this game on a whim. I'm not a really big RPG fan, but something about like just the graphics and the presentation and even the music and all this, I really loved it. And it made me want to play, want to go back and play some more RPGs. Cause as I said, typically I, I haven't, there are RPGs that I like, but in general, it's just not a genre that's really attracted me. As I started playing this game, I was like, you know what? This is making me want to go back and play some RPGs. So I went back very far, and I had this crazy idea. I was like, you know what? The Final Fantasy... Uh, I've always kind of liked the Final Fantasy aesthetic. I ha- I've played three or four of the games, not not a bunch. But, uh, you know, I've never been a huge fan, but I always have really liked the aesthetic. I got this crazy idea... Maybe, just maybe, I'm interested enough now to go back and play all of the mainline Final Fantasy Whoa. games in order. That Jeez. is a large undertaking. So, I played Final Fantasy 1. Oh, dope. Yeah, for NES, of course, this came out in 1987. Uh, Final Fantasy, as everybody knows, is, is a turn-based RPG. And... Uh, it was really interesting to go back and play, you know, obviously not the first turn-based RPG, but, you know, the first one for the NES and, you know, one of the most, one of the, you know, kind of one of the seminal RPGs, I guess you would say. Sure. Even Pioneer. If yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, so, so as far as mechanics go, uh, well, let's, all right, let's talk about the story. There's not very much story at all. I was going to say, <laughs> let's <laughs> you, talk about the story. Okay. We're done. Yeah. You have, you control, <laughs> you control four characters. You start off the bat with four guys and that's who you have through the whole game. You get to choose what the your classes are. You control the warriors of light or no, no, no. The light warriors. Which one is it? Is it the warriors of light? Oh, technically. I don't know. I think it's warriors of light, but either way. Uh, and basically it's like, there's an evil taking over the world. Now go save the world. And that's it. <laughs> so like, oh, it just drops you in the map and then you start walking around trying to find stuff to do and try to like figure it out what the hell's going on basically. Um, yeah. so you're going around, t- uh, to towns and, you know, forests, you're getting random encounters and eventually you kind of feel, you, you, you eventually figure out, okay, we have these four orbs. Their light has gone out. We have to uh, light them back up. And you do that, of course, by fighting bosses. <laughs> and there are like four main bosses throughout the game. Every time you beat one, one of the orbs lights up. They There's an orb for earth, wind, water, and fire. And uh, and your goal is to, to light all the orbs up and, and, and save the world from this evil. Very generic, you know, fantasy type stuff. Uh, as far as game mechanics go, it was really fun playing this game to see kind of this again not the very start but you know a very 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 early uh implementation of turn-based rpg mechanics to see what has stayed and what has gone one of the biggest differences in this game and and basically any uh turn-based rpg that you play nowadays is that for spells you don't have mana you have spell slots kind of like D style where you have a certain number of, uh, you have different spell levels and you gain more spell levels as you play on in the game. So you have like, th- you can have three spells of each level. So you can have three level one spells, three level two spells. And this is per character that it's per spell casting character, you know, three level three spells and, and so on and so forth. Of course, when you first start off the game, you can only have level one spells and you only have like one or two slots at level one. Which means you can cast two spells with that character once you're, and that's not per battle. That's per rest. Yeah. Uh, So it's like literally D and D. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Uh, And so it's very, your, your spellcasters are very, very, very limited in the early game as to what they can do. It's like, you cast one spell, it's like, there, that's it. <laughs> you know, you're just going to have to just kind of chill and attack people with your dagger for like two damage every now and then until we rest again. There is no... Well, okay, there are only two ways to regain your spell slots. As I said, one is to rest, so you have to go back and find a town uh, and rest at the inn. If that rate that replenishes all your HP and all your spell slots, or you can buy, or, or you can use a house, which is an item that you can buy and it replenishes, uh, not all of your HP, but like a whole lot of it. And if it's high enough, you know, it'll fill it up. Uh, and that replenishes all of your all of your spell slots, but the house is very expensive, particularly in the early game. So it's not, it's, it's not a viable strategy. Like you're basically not going to have a house until you're, probably like fucking a third or maybe even more of the way through with the game. Yeah. I only like got a few houses in my whole playthrough, basically, 
even when I had enough money, I was kind of at the, the thing, the funny thing is once you get enough money to where you can afford more houses, you don't really even, you don't really need them anymore because you have a bunch of spell slots at that point. So you're not going to, there's not as much of a use for them. So for the first, let's say roughly half of the game, practically speaking, the only way to re to replenish your spell slots is to go back and find a town and rest. So if you're in the middle of a dungeon, obviously that's a no go. If you're out exploring, you know, you're just going to have to backtrack a whole lot to do it. So you really, really, really have to uh, use your spells very, very sparingly. Uh, and also the, the houses, and there are some like lesser versions of that, like cabin that re- replenish health, but don't actually uh, re- refill any of your spell slots. You cannot use any of those inside a dungeon either. So that kind of makes it even more limited. Yeah. So there's that. That's that's kind of the biggest difference. Uh, but there are there are a lot of other things. One thing that's really cool uh, is that is your party class freedom. At the beginning of the game, you just straight up pick what classes you want your party to be made of. You have four guys in your party. There are six classes: fighter, black belt, thief, white mage, black mage, and red mage. So they pretty much do for the most part what you expect them I think to. That's do. Six. The fighter, huh? I think that was six. Yeah, that's six. Oh, they said five. I'm no, sorry. I may have, but it's six. Uh, fighter is basic, like, knight character. does a lot of damage, has a lot of HP. Uh, he, he's tanky and deals a lot of damage. Black Belt is kind of a... So, so Black Belt is basically a monk. And the per- I love that they don't just say it's a monk. They're like, it's a fucking karate kid. I know, right? <laughs> And what does he turn into when you when you like can change classes later? It's like he turns in. It's like it's called like master or something like that. <laughs> um, so the black belt also is a damage dealer, but he doesn't deal as much damage as the fighter. But it's, it seems like kind of the benefit of the black belt is that they're cheap. You don't yeah. buy armor or weapons for them. They they do damage based on their level, and their armor is equal to their level. So you don't have to spend money outfitting them. So they're kind of good, like I'd say mid game characters where you are starting to get more powerful, but you maybe don't have a ton of money to spend. Uh, I did not use a black belt in my playthrough. I went fighter, fighter, black mage, white mage. Uh, The thief is kind of hilarious because he sucks so bad. Um, One interesting thing about the thief is, the thief cannot steal. He does not have a steal action as any thief does in any game nowadays. That's just what he's called. He's just called the thief, I guess, for no reason, really. He doesn't really do much damage. He's not that good. It seems like the the good thing about the thief is later on in the game when you can upgrade your classes, his upgrade is, is pretty strong. Yeah, he can also wield some of the best swords in the game. That's that's the only real benefit of using a thief. Okay. That really power- What's like? I think there's like two really powerful, powerful swords. It's like... Excalibur and something Excalibur else. Excalibur and Masmune. Yeah. Also, uh, just so you're aware, the, the, one of the reasons why the monk is so good is the more armor you have, the lower your evasion is. So because he has high base armor, oh, okay. his evasion... I, I believe that's correct. Yeah, um, yeah. No, you're right. Because armor, yeah. any armor reduces your evasion. So if so, since he's not wearing armor, I guess that wouldn't... That means his, his exactly. evasion stays high. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thief has decently high evasion as well. Um I was going to say something about the spells. I don't remember what I was going to say, though. Damn. Oh, once you learn a spell, you can never unlearn it. So oh, right. So if you waste a spell slot. <laughs> yeah. you, so if early on you get, you, you 
so there are a surprisingly diverse number of spells. There's in a lot. Fantasy. There's there's quite a few, and they, they sadly in most versions that I've played, most of the spells don't work correctly, yeah. especially the higher level ones. I, 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 we'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I was just gonna say like early on, if you pick the wrong like one level one, level two spells for like a red mage or a white mage, it can be brutal. Yeah, like like I said, you only have three spells at each level, and so yeah, Jay, as Jay said, when you buy, you so say you buy spells from spell shops as you play the game. And they're expensive. And they're very expensive. And when you buy one, there's you can't get rid of it. So if you buy a shitty one or one that's outright broken, as many spells in the games are in the game, uh, as many spells in the game are, uh, then you're just kind of fucked. But another thing I forgot about the black belt is, as I said, his armor, his armor is equal to his level. However, there's a bug on him where anytime he levels up. His armor goes back to zero until you go and look at, I think it's the armor screen to see what everybody has equipped. And then when you go to that screen, then it resets his armor back up to where it's supposed to be. <laughs> I didn't know that, actually. That's yeah. interesting. So uh, that's pretty terrible and hilarious. Uh, okay, there's the white mage that does exactly what you think. He has healing spells. Uh, the black mage has DPS spells, but he also has a lot of uh, like yeah, crowd control buff. as well as but yeah, as well as buff yeah. spells. Temper's um, so good, huh? I think temper. I think is what it's called. Temper is one of the ones that doesn't work in the NES version. Oh really? Oh okay, that must be it because I played the PlayStation version as well. Yeah, but it's um, it's yeah, I've heard it's a very good spell in the PlayStation version, but it is one that doesn't work. So I was gonna get to this later, but I guess we might as well get this out of the way now. There are a ton of spells in the NES version of the game that are just broken. And there are tons of, there, there are a lot that are broken in different ways, too. There are some that just don't do anything. It says they do this or that, but whenever you cast them, it just doesn't do it. There are some that do, like, technically do something, but they have a 0% hit rate. <laughs> and then there are others that do the opposite of what they're supposed to. There's, I think there's one that's supposed to lower uh, enemies' armor, but it actually raises their armor. <laughs> so, <laughs> on hard mode. So yeah, I like how these buffs are making it seem even more like D and D. Like this is wild magic, and you just end up like fucking yourself by using magic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, so there's that. The black mage is pretty good for um, taking out like if you're fighting a group of like nine guys yeah. later on he gets Maybe. spells and you cast it once and it hits every one of them uh and sometimes it'll kill like half of them so he's pretty good for that i found his usefulness however to be a lot lower than i expected overall what'd you pick for his final spell nuke yeah you did but i only <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about this later too i only had a chance to use it one time mm. um, doesn't it hurt you too or no no Okay. Uh, and then there's the Red Mage, which, as in other uh, Final Fantasy games, is kind of a jack of all trades. He's got some White Mage spells, some some Black Mage spells, and some heavy uh, DPS. And he does D- well. He does like pretty good DPS, but he, not like not use, as much as the fighter. He can use, yeah yeah uh, yeah exactly. But he can do he can use some really powerful weapons. He does good damage, and with his AOE as well. I actually really liked playing with the black, the red mages because they can also get res at a certain point too. So if your White Mage dies or something, I'm pretty sure they can get res. I think he can. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure, but yeah, I think he can too. If I could, if I was to redo it right now, my suggestion to anybody playing this for the first time 
would be to go, I would just trade out my black mage for a red mage. So I would recommend uh, going fighter, fighter, white mage, red mage. Just go four white mages. It's the best build. Four white mages. Yeah, that sounds killer. It's super hard mode. Uh, another thing, accuracy. So a lot of RPGs don't even have an accuracy stat anymore. Like it seems like more most modern RPGs really do not. Uh, again, I'm saying this is not someone with a lot of RPG experience, but it seems like that's not really a stat that a lot of games have nowadays. I do know that a lot of older games have it. Accuracy is actually hugely important in this game because when you first start off, your accuracy is really low and there are a lot of times where you'll just miss. Your attack just won't do anything because your accuracy is low. But then later on in the game when it goes up, when your accuracy gets really high, you'll hit multiple times on one attack. So it's like really, really important on both ends of the spectrum. It's really big when it's low because you miss attacks. It's really big when it's high because you'll hit multiple times and do shitloads of damage. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, also, the target selecting is is a little bit different. So oh, yeah. you will, um, just like in any turn-based RPG, you, you, know, you tell, you say, okay, I want this guy to attack this bad guy. But what you do is before the round starts, it goes through each character and you say, okay, I want my fighter to attack this guy. I want my second fighter to attack this guy and so on and so forth. And there are other RPGs that I, even kind of more recent ones that do do that. However, the difference here is if, so you, you queue up what you want everybody to attack. If one of those monsters that gets killed, if those, if, if one of the monsters that you've attacked in that round gets killed during that round, but somebody else was supposed to attack him, then they don't just choose another monster to attack. They go and just attack the empty spot that the monster used to be in. So yep. you're waste. So, you know, of course that's just wasting their turn. Uh, so you have to be really careful about, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of strategy going into, all right, do I want to make a hundred percent sure that I kill one guy on this round, you know, and this party of maybe like six monsters that I'm fighting, or do I want fighter one to attack this guy, fighter two to attack a second guy. And hopefully I'll take them both out, you know, in this one round, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that I will. So that adds a little bit of kind of just thinking that you have to do in the battles. Especially early on. Early on, it's more important. Later on, yeah. you're just like smashing your way through. Yeah, that's very true. Later on, you are smashing quite a bit. Um, the game is also more open than a lot of RPGs. Like when you first start, it's just like, all right, here you are. Get going. And then you eventually like come across like pretty, you know, very early on, you come across a town and then you come across another town. But then like you kind of get past this one sort of introductory little quest and then you're just there and, and you just have to start wandering around figuring out where to go. At first, it's a little bit intimidating because you're like, I don't know where the hell to go. I can go anywhere, but I don't know which way is good. But as you start exploring, you'll find that there's kind of limited places that you can go at first. And that's something that I think the game does actually pretty well is it gives you a very open experience overall. But it kind of subtly walls off places to where you can't really, you can't get too far out of where you need to be without, uh, you know, doing things that you need to do. Like you might have to go get some object to be able to get through some cave or something like that. So it's very, very open and it seems kind of intimidating at first, but it's also a little bit more contained than it seems like, and, and you can't stray too far from the path uh, early on. 
Uh, and then later you get, you know, thing, you get a, sh- you get a boat to, to move around in. And then you can, you get a pat, like you open up a canal eventually. So you can go more places with the boat and eventually you get an airship. So you just have free reign all over the map. I feel like they do a good job of gradually opening up more and more and more, but keeping the game very open world at the same time. Um, the game was very challenging, especially in the early stages. Surprisingly, right? Surprisingly. more One of the more challenging RPGs that I've ever played, again, in the early game. It requires more strategy to like last longer and do good and, keep, and start leveling your guys. So the battles, like when I say strategy, I don't really mean so much within the battles. There is some strategy, of course, in the in the encounters, but not a ton. But it's kind of like over, more of like an overarching strategy. Like even from the party selection, you got to pick your guys. You want a good strategy on on what kind of what your party composition is. Then buying equipment and purchasing potions. It's really big early game because you don't have much money, but your guys suck super bad. And weapons and armor are pretty expensive. So it's like, well, do I want to buy more potions so that I can stay out a little bit longer while I'm like leveling up my guys and sort of grinding a little bit? Or do I want to go ahead and spring for the equipment so that they do more damage and I'm more powerful? There's just a little bit of thought that usually in most RPGs that I've played, it's like, all right, just buy however many potions you need and buy whatever equipment you need. Here, you really have to like, there's really a trade-off. It's like, no, I can only afford like a couple things right now. I really have to be careful about what I choose, about what I buy. Sometimes you'll have to, you'll be in a dungeon and it's like, you know, a key dungeon of the game, of course, there's a boss at the end. There are times where you just have to abandon a dungeon halfway through to go back to town and rest because you don't have, you don't have many potions. You don't have great equipment. Your HP is getting low. It's like, okay, I'm halfway through this dungeon. I'm probably not going to make it to the end. And even if I do in this, in my condition, the boss is just going to fucking wipe me. So and you have to work your way back out. There's yeah, no yeah, you can't just leave. You have to work your way Man. back out. So that's rough. Yeah. So there is a lot of uh, yeah. As I said, it's a lot. It's it's more challenging than this is the only RPG that I really remember having to be like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to just leave this dungeon. I'm just gonna have to back out, go back to town, and then try it again. Um, there are some later game. Well, there's a there's one later game item. That will that helps with this a whole bunch if you have a white mage and I, maybe the red I think the red mage can can use it too. It's the heal rod. Oh yeah. Actually, you know what? I think anybody can use it because even if you can't equip a weapon, uh, if if it's a weapon that can cast a spell, anybody who has it in their inventory, I think can can use it can use the spell of it. I could be wrong on that, but so there are some later game items that allow you to that that come with a spell. And you cast a spell, like you use the item to cast a spell. And when you do that, you cast it for free. It doesn't use any sort of spell slots or anything. At one point, you get a heal rod. And for me, this was probably the single most important item I got in the whole game. Because it heals, you cast it once, and it heals all of your party for like 20 HP each. Which is pretty significant. At the end of the game, my guys had ranging from 300 to 600 HP each. So... Like, literally every encounter, almost every single action, my white mage, I would just have him use the heal rod just to keep my HP up. So I wouldn't have to, like, fucking chug potions all the time or waste cure spells and that kind of stuff. It was, that that for me was super important. And then, as I said, another different thing is you can upgrade your classes later on. So there's, like, an optional kind of dungeon fetch quest thing that you can do. Oh, I didn't know it was optional. Yeah, you don't have to upgrade your classes. Um, 
and it makes you so the fighter becomes a knight i think as i said i think the black belt becomes a master thief becomes a ninja white mage becomes a white wizard black mage uh black wizard and i think the red mage i guess is probably red wizard i'm not sure but uh oh, it changes to steve his name becomes steve huh? <laughs> i'm just trolling Robert. Yeah, they really worked hard on these new class names. <laughs> to Steve. So, so, and then they're not even that much more power. Well, I take it back. They it doesn't actually change their stats, but it changes like what kind of weapons they can have. Some of them, like some of them, can have more powerful stuff, and some of them, like for the for the fighters, for instance, when they become knights, they get the, it opens up a few like level one spell slots for them. So you can that's helpful because you can they can learn cure and it just gives them a little bit more healing ability. So that helps you out some, uh, and, but that mechanic in general, like getting strong, making your classes stronger. Obviously there are other games that, that do that. I probably final fantasy tactics is like, you know, the major one, but especially at this time, not a lot of games did that. So that was, that was kind of cool. As far as gameplay goes, and this is going to, I'm warning you guys, this is going to be kind of a long one because there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about, about this game. Uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> good things about gameplay. Um, there is a good variety of monsters. It doesn't have the same creativity that a lot of the later Final Fantasy games have. Like, when I think of Final Fantasy, I think of, like, fucking insane monsters, huge boss battles with just, like, really creative monsters and things like that. This one does pretty good at that. It's, like... You can tell it's like an early version of like, they're trying their hardest to come up with creative monsters. They're not quite killing it, but they're doing a pretty good job. And there's a good variety. So, you know, good enough. Uh, the difficulty forces strategy early on, like I said, like in and out of battle, mostly out of battle, where you're just deciding what kind of things you need to buy to make your party like more viable and able to last longer. Uh, another thing is positioning. This game, oh, yeah. Uh, it I actually, yeah, it actually makes a difference where you position your party members in battle. So when they're lined up from top to bottom on the right side of the screen and you can change where they are, the, t- the guy on top gets, uh, will be targeted by enemies 50% of the time. And then I think the one behind him below him is 25% of the time. And then the two bottom slots are, I don't know, like whatever the rest of the time is equal to each other. Uh, I guess 12 and percent each. Oh yeah, it is. And so there's that, Another thing is, I just like turn-based fighting. I think it's, I, I kind of like it because it like, it's, it makes sense. You know, it's like, there's no question about what's going on. This guy's going to attack here. He has a chance to do, you know, some damage in this range. It's just kind of like, I don't know, something about it is, is, is I like knowing, you know, th- this, like, it's very systematic and something about that appeals to me. It's got pretty good sprites. The, the, uh, the Warriors of Light look good. The monsters look good. When you upgrade the classes, they look kind of lame, I think. I kind of like the way they look better previously. It kind of, they, they, it seems to try to make them look a little bit more intense. But I like the way they look where they're like a little bit more innocent looking mm. to start off with. That's how I feel with. about the new Pokemon starters. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what do you think? Do you know what I'm talking about as far as the, the way they the sprites look differently later? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It almost looks like a stretched version. Do you of, like, agree with me one. on that, or do you think they look good? 
Um, I liked them when I was a kid, but as an adult, I kind of like the OG ones because it's weird. It's almost like they tried to put a more detailed sprite yeah, in yeah, yeah. a universe that doesn't have highly detailed sprites. Like it just it is kind of weird, and some of them are worse than others. Like the black belts is real, in my opinion, is really bad. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought the Black Mage looked pretty bad. Like, the Black Mage, the regular version looks really cool. Yeah. It's like the iconic uh, Final Fantasy Black Mage with the hat and you can't see his face and all. But then he just like, looks like a normal dude, just kind of like with long hair. I, I remember him. with the White Mage, we, we've learned that he's a boy. <laughs> he's a boy? Adult. Yeah, because isn't, isn't his sprite? Here, let me look. I'm I thought he, awesome. what does it like, show his dick or something? Is that what? No, it's just, he just looks like, <laughs> Jesus. He'd get a nice gaze at his genitalia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe he, I always assumed the dogs. white mage was a girl. I'm pretty, but I couldn't 100 sure. tell. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Remember on Watch Dogs two when there was that yeah. uh, glitch where you could go around and take up skirt photos? Uh, I did not know that, and <laughs> no. I doubt that it was a glitch. Also, <laughs> yeah, people had real genitalia, so like if they'd fall down, you could actually take pictures up their like, <laughs> skirts and stuff, and they had real genitalia. Nice. Wow. I always assumed that to be a guy. Was that wrong? Well, okay, it kind of looks like a guy here, but the original version looks enough like a girl to where this one is ambiguous enough to where I would still stay with girl. The, the first one I thought was a girl. Yeah, and then that's what I'm saying. It upgraded. Yeah, okay, okay. It that totally dude, threw me off. Like and this one I feel like it looks go... like Jesus. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I guess that's still up in the air. Uh, let's see. Good exploration, gradual. Hey, talking about music. Music is killer. I mean, it's Final Fantasy. They it's always the do a great job. Right? I love the like basic kind of title music. You know the mm-hmm. like do 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 do. Yeah, it gets y'all hyped. Uh-huh. And the boat music. I love the boat music. I don't remember how the boat music goes. The boat goes so fast. Yeah, it does. Uh, bad things. There are no equipment stats whatsoever in the game. 100% of everything was in the manual. So you have to, you definitely, absolutely have to pull up a guide online if you're playing this. Because there are some weapons. Huh? Yeah, it was all in. What was that manual? Jeez. it's, It's all on, I've seen the manual, like all of the stats for all of the gear. It takes up just like two pages of the manual. They just have everything listed out and it shows what the numbers are. Um, so it's just like, yeah, this, this shop sells a sword and a silver dagger and a wooden hammer. And you're like, wow. okay, well, what what's good? <laughs> or like, not even just what's good, but who can wield these things? Because certain classes can only wield certain weapons. So you yep. might buy something that nobody can even use. So uh, that's pretty rough. Obviously, if you can, obviously, you just need to pull it up and, and see what's going on. And there are some that's, that are like super expensive, but are like barely more powerful than the one than like the previous weapon. So it's not even really worth going for. Um, and then also, when you're buying things, and this is this is more important when it comes to buying potions, you can't select a quantity. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, you just have to go. Uh, buy. It's like, do you want to buy something? Yes. And then you pick what you want to buy, and How it's much like, is it? <laughs> yeah. And you're buying the potions. The potion heals, I think, thirty HP, 
when you're in late game, you know, your guy, it's like, say you're 75% of the way through with the game. You have guys who have 400 HP, anywhere from like 200 to 400 from the weekend to the strong end. So you might buy, you might want to buy like 50 potions. 99. Yeah. Usually at 99. I, I never bought, I never had more than 60 at once, but oh, it's man. like, you're just smashing a over and over and over Buy Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Potion Buy Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Potion Buy Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Potion. And then if you want to buy like something else, then you have to scroll down a little bit to buy it. So that adds even more time. And it's the same way when you're using items, when you use an item, you go to the menu, you go to items, it lists up your items, you pick which one you want to use. Then it brings up a list of your uh, characters and you pick who you want to use it on. Then when you do that, it goes back to the inventory screen. So if you want to heal, if you want to feed one guy, like five potions, then you go back, then you have to scroll down, pick the potion again, go back to the other screen, tell it you want to use it on him, then go back to inventory again, go scroll over and find the potion, then go back to him, go scroll, to, scroll over to his name and use it. It gets really, really annoying. And then when you, if a, if a character gets poisoned, and it's the same thing, you have to use, you have to use a pure to, to unpoison them. But what also happens when somebody gets poisoned is it repositions them in your party. It puts them on the bottom for oh yeah for whatever reason, and so anytime anybody gets poisoned, then not only do you have to cure their poison with your pure potion, but then you have to back out, then hit select, which goes to the screen where you choose what order your party members are in, and then reorder your party back to how you want it to be. It just gets super annoying after you after you have to do that like dozens of times in a playthrough. Uh, there are a few bad game design decisions. Actually, really only one really bad one, which was levels that have lava. There are, and there's one that has ice that works the same way, where you're in a dungeon and there a lot of the floor is lava, and you just have to walk over it. There's no alternate path, and it takes damage. You take everybody takes damage every time you step on a lava tile, but there's just nothing you have. To, there's just nothing you can do about it. So you just have to take that damage. That's that's super annoying. Um. There's a few times where it's difficult to figure out where to go. You have to just talk to some random townsperson who like has something to say, who will tell you where to go or who will like give you something. There's a few instances of that kind of annoying. Um, again, you have limited use of a lot of your spells because you have limited spell slots. And then like you're trying to save up your spells because you don't want to use them all before you get to the boss. Uh, there are limited armor slots so everybody has four armor slots. You can have like something on your hands, something on your head, a shield and an armor. But those slots are also what they use for, you, for inventory. So your inventory slots for each person, they have four slots for armor just to even hold it, whether it's equipped or not. And then in there you tell, you say, okay, I want to equip this or, or not. So if they have four if all of your characters have four pieces of armor equipped, then you don't have any room to pick up new armor. So if you come across a treasure chest that has armor in it, it'll just say you don't have room to take this, but it doesn't tell you what's in there. So the only way to get it out is to just ditch some piece of armor that somebody has and hope that what you're getting is better than that. When you drop the armor that somebody has, you cannot get it back. It just destroys it instantly. So that is pretty annoying. I, I didn't ever really get burned by that. So I guess they handled it fairly well, but it is super annoying to know that like, Oh, to get this new armor, 
before I even can see what it is, I have to destroy some armor that I already have. Mm-hmm. Um, quality of life stuff. Quality of life stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one kind of funny thing is in the shops, when you're buying spells, it'll say L6, which means it's a level six spell, and then it has the cost next to it. Uh, but the, the way the cost is written next to it, in most cases, there's a space after L6, and then it just shows a number, like, you know, 250 or whatever. But when the spells get up to a certain amount, when they get up to the tens of thousands, they take up that extra space between the L6 or whatever it is in the price. So it just looks like one big number. So I thought the spells, I thought the six was part of the price on these. So I thought the spells were hundreds of thousands of dollars more than they were. <laughs> so I didn't even try buying them because it says L625000. So what it means is L6, $25,000 or gold or whatever, but I thought it was, Dope. yeah, I thought it was 625,000. I was like, holy shit. So I did like a shitload of like dungeons and stuff. And I was like getting so much money, but I was like coming out of it. And I was like, I still don't even have half enough money for one of these spells yet. And then like, eventually I was like, Oh shit, that's supposed to just be this. So then I realized that I could go start buying spells again. Um, then beyond that, there's just the bugs. Spells don't. Some spells don't do anything. Some are. Some do the opposite. Uh, blah 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 blah. That's a little weird. There's also a weird thing where when you turn off the game, you're supposed to hold reset, uh, or in order to, like, keep it from like to in order to make it a hundred percent not delete your your save. I think is the is the case. <laughs> uh, it's like anytime you save at an inn, the inn keep says. Don't forget, hold reset while you power off the game. And that's just kind of a random ass thing to have to do. Luckily, I was playing this on the Nintendo Classic, so I never had to uh, worry about that. You know, I was just using uh, save states. But you can save, like, I guess it saves it automatically whenever you visit an inn. And then, like, the house and the cabin and stuff like that, when you use those, it saves. But that's it. Those are the only way to save. Make sure you hold reset when you turn it off. Um... <laughs> Yeah, super weird. And then I think that might be about it. I'm trying to wrap this up quickly so we, so everybody has plenty of time to talk about their games. I know I'm I've gone on much longer than probably everybody else will. Uh, I had a, I really really liked this game. I had to I beat the game by the way. Uh, it was quite a bit longer than I expected it to, to be. It took me I think 23 hours. I was like, you know, this is a super old RPG. I bet it'll be like eight to 10 hours max. No, it's pretty long. It's a 23. It took me 23 hours, which I think is a little bit longer than most people because I felt pretty over leveled by the end of the game, even though I didn't like specifically try to grind out anything to level up my guys. For some reason, my guys just ended up really high level. I think they were, most of them were like upper twenties by the end of the game. And like the final boss I, I beat in four rounds. It wasn't even close. I beat Warmech, which is supposed to be the hidden kind of like pseudo boss. That's the most powerful enemy in the whole entire game. I beat him in like three rounds on my first try. Uh, so yeah, I just don't, for, for some reason, I think I was just over leveled. There's gotta be somebody listening to this podcast. that's like fucking brag about it, bitch. I <laughs> <laughs> probably so. Right. Uh, like I said, if I could, if I would redo it, my, my, so my advice to anybody playing this is one, 
you got to use a guide to see what the spells do, to see what spells actually work, and to see what the weapon stats are, uh, and armor stats and that kind of stuff. Two, my recommended party would be fighter, fighter, white mage, uh, black mage. My black yep. mage felt not all that useful in the really in any part of the game. The white mage was was pretty killer because of the healing spells. That's really crucial. The double fighter was absolutely killer because late game they do a shitload of damage. And uh, I feel like it was definitely worth having two fighters as opposed to fighter black belt or something like that. And um, yeah, I think that might be all I have to say. Overall, I really, really, really had a fun time with this. Um, I'm I'm super excited. I, I, this is so weird because in the past I've been like, you know, RPGs are fine, but you know, I'm just not a huge fan. I don't know what's happened, but I really like am feeling uh, a drive to play a lot more RPGs now. So uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes. We're proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, anything we'll get. I want to move on to you guys. Jay, is there anything that you feel like you need to note that I left out? No, I think you covered everything pretty well. I chimed in a few times. That I had something to add to it, but no, I think you covered it well. Vaughn and Josh, have you guys ever played uh, Final Fantasy one? No, I haven't. When I got my NES Classic, I literally turned it on for like five seconds, got to the first battle, and I was like, nah, fuck this. This (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I love pixel art, but there's just something about the sprites in this game that I can't see. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I don't don't know why. I feel like I just need to give it another chance. Um, Maybe. Especially now that I hear it's got wild magic. I got to check it out. (laughs) And I also, I will say I just so I can get this out of the way before we move on from final fantasy. I really respect the like old game design philosophy where they not only thought that you were going to hold on to the freaking manual for some reason, (laughs) like no one on earth was ever going to lose that. But (laughs) just kind of like the complete lack of quality of life features. I think that's actually kind of interesting in a way. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just a unique gameplay mechanic that nobody does nowadays because everybody (laughs) wants their games to be easier. But back then they're just like, figure it out. Like, I mean, read the manual. You want to play the game. (laughs) I mean, there's some merit to that. Like we talked a little about, about that earlier with, like blizzard doing that and yep that's exactly what i was just thinking about but but i think there's a fine line between accessibility from a standpoint where it's like you are actively doing something in a way that we figured out there's a better way to do now through years of video game development versus let's just make it easier to make it easy yeah yeah Yeah. that's very true yeah there's there's Uh, plus now you can buy a bunch of potions so it's pretty cool yeah, like like that kind of thing. Like that's that's something that <laughs> right. we've learned that there's better ways to make it less clicks to get us to ninety nine potions. <laughs> I will say I would probably like if I ever got if I didn't know that I probably would have got to the first shop in Final Fantasy, seen that, and like, no, nah, I'm not gonna play this game. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, another thing that I will say to anybody playing this game who hasn't is that at the title screen when you turn on the game there's an option that says respond rate. And I had no, what the, the, oh, yeah. the first time I ever played this, I was like, I'm just going to keep it at whatever it is. Cause I don't know what the fuck that means. And it's, it starts off at, it's set at one. Well, what that is, is the speed 
of the messages that pop up anytime anything happens in the damn game. So you'll walk up and your guy, it's in a battle and your guy will swing a sword and it pops up and shows like how much damage you did and who you're attacking. That controls how long that individual message stays on screen. If you keep it on one, the message stays on there for like, Jay, what do you think? Six seconds or seven seconds? It's it's super long. So it's like one. one individual movement from one guy in a battle. He goes up and does it, pauses for six seconds for you to read the fucking message Man. on what it says. Why was that the default? I don't know, but <laughs> and and when I first played it, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't know that that was connected to respond. I still didn't know what respond rate was. I just thought the game moved slow as shit, and that was what turned me off of it originally. Uh, and it goes up to eight. I had it on six and I would definitely not go any lower than six. I feel like six is kind of like the normal, what you would expect, what it should be. I would probably maybe not eight. Cause I don't, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it might go a little too fast. I would, I would say put it on seven, uh, mm-hmm. because there's no need at all for it to <laughs> be It's nothing below six. Certainly. No. And don't forget to hold a reset when you turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> so that's weird. also something that's amazing they're like yeah we can never figure out how to fix this so we're just gonna have an npc say it <laughs> yeah right i mean because everyone listens to what the npc say so yeah <laughs> they don't just immediately skip it they're like shut up old man that's <laughs> why they put the default to one. <laughs> oh man yeah that's exactly it yeah so you don't lose your safe all right, I'm going to stop talking now. Why don't we go with uh, Josh next? Josh, you want to, why don't you go next? You tell us about Ooh, what game you've been playing. Right. Try to go faster than me. Oh, don't worry. That will not be a problem. <laughs> I did not Wrong. know we were going to go this in-depth into the game. We normally don't. We normally don't. Depth. Occasionally, we get, some, we get an anomaly like this. You just really had a fun time with Final Fantasy. I huh? did. I, I, I got to say, I really did have a fun time with it. I mean... I guess it's a good one. Uh, it started a series that just won't stop, so it had to be good, right? I guess so. All right, well, I'll go. Uh, so mine actually is, and I'm kind of the same um, with RPGs. I have a soft spot for a lot of RPGs, but generally I'm not the biggest fan just because of the time sink and the grind that you right. have to put in to RPGs. Um, but one of my favorite games of all time is Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Oh, well. So, thank you. So, this... uh, I notoriously am not uh, good at... Especially for, like, story-based video games, I usually will never replay games. Just because if I already know the story, I don't really care too much. This game I've played, like, replayed six or seven times, and it's the only game I'll do that with just because I just love the, the story to it, the feel to it, the way this game plays. And it was my first rpg so there's always that like nostalgic factor um because when i used to see rpgs as a kid it had like most traditional rpgs have the element that i hated which was things like random encounters and it would usually have gameplay that was very passive so i was always like ah these games aren't for me because i don't really like the just random things because i don't really know what's happening or why i'm getting an enemy attacking me i don't really do much when i'm there and granted there's a lot of strategy in it and there's a lot of reasons for rpgs but at the time i was a kid i didn't care for it so what super mario rpg did was it changed the game for mario in general because 
obviously this is the first time you're seeing Mario where it's not that traditional a platformer jumping around. This is a full-fledged RPG game that was made uh, both from Nintendo and Square Enix. And I believe this was their first uh, ever project together, which was pretty crazy at the time. And so... One of the things that's different about this from an RPG perspective is you have the same mechanics of you can attack, you have special moves like spells, you have items that you can use. But in there, when enemies are attacking you or you're attacking enemies, there's timed sequences that will make your attack stronger or your defense stronger. So you can block attacks better if you have the right timing. Um, And that, to me as a kid, was like the thing that kept me really interested in that element of strategy because you have to pick the right attack, but you also are actively doing something while you're playing the game. Um, so from that standpoint, I, I loved it just because it actually got me into RPGs from the get-go. But also, this was a crazy world that you played in because you're playing as Mario, but the actual enemy is not really Bowser. So yeah. for you know the the main majority of Mario games back in the day, it was always Bowser, 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 Bowser. And that's still to this day. I was going to say, very, even today. Even yeah. today, that's still a very common theme. This game took something totally different, and it said Bowser's actually you know not that strong he's not this crazy powerful enemy that you have there's an even bigger force out there and so they created this enemy known as smithy and he's this evil uh smith basically who's creating these um weapons that come to life and take over and he's going to different dimensions and so he comes to mario's land basically to take over and control this land and his evil plan is to uh, take all of the uh, seven stars that are out there that allow people to make wishes, essentially. So he's just this evil force that's creating all of this destruction, all of this chaos. And why it was so cool is because they actually take over Bowser's castle, they kick him out, and he's stuck without an actual castle. He's stuck on his own. And halfway through the game, spoilers, but I mean, come on, this game's old, uh, you actually get to play with Bowser on your team you find him and he basically joins your party because he's in this struggle too they've taken over his castle and he needs to essentially team up with mario which at the time was nuts like you wouldn't think of that you would never think that you would pair with the enemy in that they also have a a slew of new characters that are all unique and really impressive that to this day people still talk about gino gino they they talk about him as a character for Smash so much, and he is only in this one game. He was never really like in a full fledged. It's title crazy that used. they never ever put him in anything else. Yeah, so I mean, he makes like very small cameo appearances and various things, but there's never been a full fledged like he's another character that you can play with, and there's never been any seven stars kind of uh, revitalization of this game. The only thing that we've gotten that's been close to this is the Paper Mario series, but Nintendo also doesn't really like that series as much anyway, and they kind of shut it down and just made watered down versions of it. So we really haven't had a, a, a just amazing RPG like this in a long time. And it was definitely something that uh, I played for so long as a kid. I keep going to it every so often. It's a lot of fun. It's a really good story. And it just, it I don't know, it was so different at the time that I'll never not think of this as one of my favorite, like the top games I've ever played. I love um, when you first 
Well, not, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's, well, no, sorry. It's not when you first see Bowser, but when you come across him, like in the woods or whatever, and he's like crying, he's like, yeah. and then he sees that Mario's coming, he's like, get yourself together, don't let him see you like this, Bowser. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that was, because it's such a pivotal moment, because you finally get to see this other side of the villain, and it's like, oh, he's not a bad guy, in this case, obviously, he's always stealing Peach, and he's a terrible, <laughs> like, person to that extent but like he's in the same boat as you right now he's literally got kicked out of his house he's just trying to get his castle back he he has the same uh you know quest as you uh allegedly just because you both have that same mission of taking over that castle and defeating that enemy that's there um so it was such a such an interesting play on it and obviously mario is the faceless faceless character who doesn't really say anything but the cast around him was so good that it goes through and you're like, wow, this is such an interesting story, such an interesting turn for the series, which I mean, it really is upsetting that they didn't play into that more or into this world a little bit more later, but maybe one day we'll get it. This is one of those games that I like a lot of things about, but I don't like it overall because interesting. for me, the, I and I've talked about this on the podcast a couple of times. I actually, I've actually played this twice for the podcast because I played really? it a long time ago and then I replayed it like a year ago or maybe even less than that because I was like, I'm going to give it another chance because I really want to like this. Um, it's For me, it's the combat that... Really? That kills it. Yeah. I get so bored and I know it's got the... Like you were talking about, you do have to do a little bit more than in most RPGs where you have to time your your hits and your defenses and that kind of stuff. But, like, I still just get so bored. It just feels so repetitive to me. The The special abilities aren't that helpful. They don't really do that much. For me, it's just like you're doing just the same thing 99% of the time. And I guess, to be fair, <laughs> honestly, the same thing is true for Final Fantasy 1. You're I was doing the same thing most of the time. So I don't know, wh- I, I don't know why it's different. For, I, I just don't know, honestly, why it's different for me in this one. But I just get bored playing this, playing doing the combat in this game. Yeah, I think for me, like, especially it's the cast and it's getting a deeper insight into a world that you never really had, you know, a deep lore of. It's being engrossed in this world of Nintendo as a child and always playing the platformer games, but knowing really nothing other than you're a plumber who's jumping around and he's got to, you know, get the princess. And then it it goes, okay, well, let's make this whole entire world a story that you can take just as in any RPG, uh, but you already have those existing uh, initial starting cast to get you through the door of, I want to learn about this story. Because I think, especially when I was a kid, it was easy for me to jump into this as opposed to Final Fantasy because you don't know anything about Final Fantasy. And it's, like you said, the story is basically like, not really there so you just have to save the world yeah exactly you just have the go save the world thing and here you have this full-fledged story of these are the characters that you know and love and there's so much more to the world that you've never seen before yeah and i and i 100 percent agree with that and and outside of the combat i love i really love everything about the game i think it's hilarious i love i think it's colorful it's fun i i like the graphics and and the story is funny all the like the little antics. There's so many funny little. There's so much like humor in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I just for some for whatever reason, I just feel bored as I'm playing it. 
and I don't really know why. Forgive you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, I love I how I also love how they um whenever Mario is telling somebody like explaining something that happened, he like acts it out and takes on like somehow like sometimes he just turns into another character into for a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's real wacky. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just decide. It's I, I like it. I, I mean, I'm glad they, they yeah, did it. I did too, did. Actually. In this game, it really works, but I hate, like, I've talked about this before. One of my biggest pet peeves about games uh, that are in this kind of genre of, like, RPG style is they give you your character. And I understand why they do it, because they let you try to be that hero and project your own self in that world. But they don't give you any, act like, by that token, they don't give you any actual dialogue. They don't give you any, like, character to speak of. You're just basically this blank slate who yeah. uh, in Dragon Quest XI, this was my biggest issue with it, even though I, I loved the game, it was all these characters who are so unique and so interesting around you, and then they look at you and they're like, right? And you just go, and you have this like blank, like, yep, and just <laughs> nod. And it's like, okay, great. Like, what what are you adding value-wise to the game? Like, there's literally, I could just not be here and it would just be the story around me. Even though I'm the main character who's like the light bringer that's going to save the world. Spoilers. I mean, not really. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's only spoilers until you say the word spoilers. <laughs> then I could be lying. Who's your favorite? Actually, what, what's your party in, Mar in Mario RPG? Mario RPG, it was uh, Peach, Bowser, and Mario. Nice. Interesting. I think that was I think that was what I did on my first playthrough, and then on my second one I did, uh, uh, Mallow, Bowser, Mario. Mallow is pretty good too. Yeah, I really like one of my favorite things is uh, so I really enjoy watching people speedrun games, uh, and oh, yeah. one of my favorite things to watch is this game speedrun because one of the strats that they do is there's a way to trick the game to uh, essentially level up characters and do it in a way where when Mallow levels up, it'll make it think that Peach is, le like Peach is leveling up at the same time as Mallow and it'll make it think that she is supposed to get Mallow's spell. So they build Peach out to have like the Thunderbolt moves. Oh, and stuff wow, like that's that. cool. <laughs> so they, yeah, it's like nuts. <laughs> it makes no sense, but they figured a way to do it. That that reminds me, we have a listener, and I think I think it's Ryan. I could be wrong on that, but Ryan, if you're listening to this, or if it's not Ryan and you're listening to this, one of our listeners speed runs Final Fantasy One, and I would like to. I want to hear what. I'm just not. It's not I, I'm sure I, I know I could look it up easily, but I want to hear his. Uh, if you're listening, please write us in. I want to hear what you do on Final Fantasy One to make it last. To make it go quicker in what what like a speed running time is for for Final Fantasy One. Dope. Shout out to Ryan. Shout out Unless to Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out, shout out to the potential of Ryan. <laughs> all right, Josh. Is that all you got? Is that all you have to say about uh? Mario yeah, RPG? I'm good. I think I Perfect. I think I said it enough. All right, killer. Um, Vaughn. What, <laughs> Sorry, what you got? This is in the middle of yawning. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's all right. <laughs> Um, yeah, mine is going to be much shorter than Josh's probably because this is my first time ever playing this game and I did Whoa. not get very far into it at all. I've only played a couple hours, but ever since uh, the Outer Worlds has come up, everybody's like 
put it up against KOTOR saying like, hey, guess what? This is more like KOTOR than it is like Fallout New Vegas. So I decided I had to go back and play Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, I'm I'm playing it on my PC uh, and hopping right into it. I'm like, man, it's crazy how developers have gotten away with just straight up aping D&D. Like, it's amazing because Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, for the most part, is like if there was a Star Wars campaign for D&D. And it's kind of hilarious because <laughs> a lot of like the definition of skills, uh, they even go as far to have like literally the exact same character builds where there's the section for feats. And it's like, that's a thing in D&D. And then uh, <laughs> they during like uh, when they actually go down and tell you exactly how a skill works it references 20 sided die <laughs> i was like dude oh i don't remember that that's hilarious yeah it specifically references a 20 sided <laughs> die and like this is just D D. okay it, well it's pretty cool i i've so far really really enjoyed it and it's probably not for many of the reasons that people would expect um you, have you guys played knights of the old republic yeah yeah i played it when it originally came out and beat it yeah it's been well, a minute what would you guys say is your favorite part about it? Um, my favorite part. Mm. Oh gosh. Okay. I would say the things that I liked about it the best are, um, like gradually building up your Jedi powers. And then also the, the, the big story twist. Mm-hmm. And also what's his name? HK 47. Is that his name? What's the, what's the word? What's a robot? Is it? Did I just fucking make that up? I know there's a. I know there's a robot. Kotor <laughs> oh, no. robot. Hold on. Kotor. Yeah, it's HK47. Damn! Can't believe I just pulled that out of my ass. My favorite thing is literally there's, it's it's a weird, uh, part of this game, but for some reason, uh, they reuse a lot of assets and audio lines for characters because it's an older game. Uh, and one of the things they did, I forget the race that talks like this, but it's the one that's blue that has the long, like tentacle hair. Twi'lek. Um, so Twi'lek or Twi'lek. Twi'lek. Okay. So, uh, not a huge Star Wars fan, as you could tell, <laughs> but I do love these games. Get uh, off my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the, one of my favorite things is that race. Every time you talk to them, they have the same dialogue. That <laughs> oh, really? looped yeah you could tell you could tell because there's one thing and i don't know why but me and my uh good friend were talking about this and now we do it all the time where every so often we'll just start saying that line because it's very abrupt where it'll be like <laughs> ah, da, 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 and then it'll go Puna. <laughs> i don't know why but it makes me laugh so hard every time <laughs> just randomly if i ever think about this game that's what i think about it is Puna. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that's so that's in my brain. Yeah, that's pretty close to the reason that I have liked it so far is that this game is fucking hilarious just because of the dumb shit that happens in it. So just starting up, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're on this ship and I love how they actually have characters explain things to you as if they were a developer. So you're like, hey, how am I supposed to do that? And he's like, Oh, you just hover your mouse over that box over there and you open it. I was like, thanks. That's a little weird, but okay. I don't remember that. (laughs) 
And then at one point in time, you're coming up to the bridge of this ship and go to open the door. And the same exact character is like, hey, hold up. So there's going to be some close quarters combat in here. You might want to switch out your blaster for a blade, which I didn't put any points in strengths because I ain't no bitch. And I'm not going to freaking use a lightsaber because I want to use a blaster like a cool kid. Mm. Suck it. (laughs) So... I was like, no, I'm going to continue to use a blaster. But in the same line of dialogue, he's like, you might want to switch it out to a blade because it's close quarter combat and blasters aren't going to work that well. You might also want to switch me out to like a blade. But <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to use a blaster, I could just stay far back. And I'm like, why the what the fuck are you even talking about then? <laughs> Shut up. Stop talking to me. So this guy that. says that. <laughs> and then just randomly, like five seconds later, he's not even close to a door. I don't know how he does this. There's a closed door. We walk into this room and he's like, there's something in this door and like runs <laughs> over <laughs> and opens it. And there's like a dark Jedi. And I'm like, just say fucking Sith. Just say it. Just say Sith. It's fine. And he's like, there's a dark Jedi. I hold it off. And he goes after it with a long sword, which is just a piece of metal. And I'm like, I don't know how it's not cutting through that, but okay, that's cool. I'm like, you do you, dude. I don't know how you sensed that that guy was behind there. If you just like smelt him or something. All right. Whatever. Dark musk, you know? Apparently all dark Jedi have just that sweet musky scent. Actually, those are two differing scents, but okay. And there's also times like... Uh, so there's so many weird things in this game. I, so you, you finally come down off of the ship in your escape pod and you start talking to people. And I was talking to a character and I thought it was so cool that they don't actually have you like come out of the experience to talk to characters. It just starts talking to them. So if somebody like walks by, you can actually see them walking by. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. But then there was this one guy that walked by and then just kept walking around me like in a circle. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is this guy doing? And he just kept walking by and like whispering to himself basically. And I was like, what's happening right now? He's really sizing you up. Yeah, and I'm trying to have a conversation about this dumbass's shield generators that are excessive overpriced, like excessively overpriced. So there's, there's this weird ass alien with a fish head just like walking around me, just like in a circle. <laughs> like, go away. What are you doing? And then it's just my favorite part about this, like I said, is how absolutely funny this game is. Because have you guys ever written into the character? And I doubt you'd remember him, but his name is like Niklos, and he plays. Pazak. Have you ever run into him? He's in like the first area of the game. Oof. Mm, sounds familiar, remember. but it's been a long time. I don't yeah, remember either. I'm surprised you don't remember him. Every yeah, every fucking sentence he says, he's like, I am Niklos. I am the best Pazak player in this place. And then I'm like, okay, that's cool. What's Pazak? And he's like, Well, I'm the champion of it, so like I'll be able to tell you literally every line he has, he works it into conversation <laughs> that he is the best at Pazak. And I was like, dude, I swear to God, say it one more time. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he just keeps saying it. I, <laughs> this game is just so laughably. It's just so funny. Um, there are a few things that I don't like about it. The, like uh, initially choosing your class. So there are the three classes they're kind of ambiguous. They don't actually tell you what any of them do for the most part. They're just like, 
oh, the soldier, he's a soldier. Like, he fights stuff. He fights. And then there's, yeah, there's the scout who, like, scouts the outer rims. And I'm like, <laughs> that tells me literally nothing. You can't use about... the word to define it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's none of that tells me about what this guy does. And then there's the other class, which I didn't even read that much, but it's like, oh, yeah. That guy actually uses a stealth pack, basically, and he he goes invisible. And I was like, thank you for that definition, but none of the others. They're just, I have no idea what these other two classes did. So I just assumed that the stealth, uh, that the scout was basically a sniper. So I chose that one. But then there's some other weird stuff that happens. Uh, Like, you can't actually customize your character for the most part. You can build them out, but you can't customize them. Instead, you just choose their portfolio. Or not their portfolio. That's weird. Um, portrait? Yeah, you choose their portrait. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you build out their resume and their... <laughs> get a cover letter going. Well, can't you? But can't you? Can't you uh, customize this like the skill, like the Jedi skills that they get? No, yeah, you could do that. You could build them out as a as like a character, but you can't actually change their look. Cosmetics. Oh, yeah, oh you I mean just... their look. Well, yeah, but that's because it's like a specific guy. Oh, yeah, it definitely may- Well, I mean, dude, I can make him like six million different races. It doesn't matter. I just can't change his hair. So that's. Like, <laughs> oh, can you change his so race? Weird. Yeah. So when you switch through the different uh, different portraits, they actually are different people. Oh, so I don't, there's I don't like. That. Yeah, they're different races and stuff. They're not different species. You can't choose an alien, which okay. is a huge bummer, which would be super cool. Yeah. But there yeah. are different races that you can choose. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So I guess I'll just choose this generic white guy. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad. So yeah, I've so far I've actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, there's just some weird stuff about it, like this one guy that they call him like Gallo's two fingers, uh, Garlon two fingers, but he has five fingers. But they consistently <laughs> reference that he's horribly disfigured. It's like he's got five fucking fingers. What are you even talking about? So, yeah, I'm definitely gonna keep playing it. One because there's something I'm trying to work on right now that I have to play this because of it. But two, just because it's probably one of the funniest games I've ever played without actually trying to be that funny. Damn, I'm gonna have to go back and check this one out. One one kind of funny thing that I do remember is this was kind of right at the beginning of where, uh, particularly RPGs, would give you choices on whether to be good or evil. But in this one, it's like completely polarizing. It's like you have two options. It's like go save an orphan, or like just fuck, just like fucking kill him. You know, it's like. <laughs> you are, can do only the most extreme evil thing or the most extreme nice thing that you could possibly imagine. And that's like your choices throughout the whole game. I, I play. I started playing it like a year ago. I was going to play it for the podcast, but then I only got a few hours in, got caught up and played some other stuff. And I was like, I'm going to do a, a like a Dark Jedi um, run through this time. Because when I played it or back in the day, I did, you know, I was a good guy. And so I chose all the evil options. And it's like, oh, this... Uh, Widow needs our help because, like, somebody stole her last piece of bread or fucking something like that. And now she's going to starve. And it's like the options are like, all right, we'll help you out. Or it's like, oh, why don't we just kill her? You know, he's like, I don't know if that was, <laughs> I don't think that was actually it. But that's like just blatantly like, nah, just fuck him. Like, you know, no nuance whatsoever to any of the choices. It's just like whatever the most extreme good or bad thing you can do. Those are your two options. 
I also really love that this is probably one of the only games that when you enter somebody's house, they actually react to it. They're like, what the fuck are you doing in my house? And then one of the <laughs> dialogue stuff. Yeah. One of the dialogue choices was I'm just looking for shit to steal. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but every other game you like enter people's houses, they're like, sup, dude. And I'm like, you don't know me. How? Why are <laughs> no. you OK with this? <laughs> I do remember that it was cool. If I remember correctly, you can choose whether to wield just a regular lightsaber or double lightsabers or a, like a double sided lightsaber. Uh, you can kind of like put skills into one of those. And I, I thought that was cool that you get to kind of like pick what type of lightsaber like fighting style you do. Yeah. yeah, those are like part of the feats that you can choose, which it, it's exactly like D&D, where if you want to like in D&D, if you want to use an offhanded weapon, you actually like you can do it, but you're not going to it's basically going to really fuck up your build unless you use a feat that gives you or like kind of like multi spec or multi class into fighter where you choose a fighting stance. Otherwise, you're not going to be that good at it, wherein. Like this, you choose a feat and you can use dual weapons, but your uh, I think I tried to use two blasters because my companion was using two blasters and I thought it was really cool. And then it was like, okay, cool. On the first blaster, you got minus one. On the second one, you got minus seven. Like, oh, I'm not going to try it anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a it's a fun game. I'm excited to play more. Uh I'm just, I'm so stoked to see how much funnier it gets. Nice. I really want to hear about it now. <laughs> <laughs> I love playing old games of that with a lot of, a lot of voice actor or dialogue in general, just because some of it just does not age well. In a lot of cases, you thought it made sense, but when you replay it, you're like, their dialogue does not make sense in any circumstance, especially this one. Have you guys, uh, I know you said you're a fan of Star Wars. Do you guys watch like the Clone Wars or anything like that? I'm actually not a huge Star Wars fan, so... I actually... I'm a big Star Wars fan, but I didn't watch Clone Wars. However, I did just start watching it, like, randomly a few... Like, a month or so ago. I'm only, like, six episodes in, so... Haven't gotten to where, it, like... I don't think where it starts getting, like, really good yet, but I, I've, I've been watching it, yeah. Yeah, if you watch a decent amount of the Clone Wars, you'll realize real quick that a lot of the voice actors that work in Clone Wars also worked on this game. And it's fucking weird. Like, I'll come across people, I'm like, you're just the announcer from Clone Wars. This is weird. <laughs> or the first companion you get is actually the same voice actor that voices Caden Alenko in, uh, in Mass Effect, and it's really uncomfortable. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the same voice actors apparently work with Bioware, which is a little odd. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's all I really have to say about Knights of the Old Republic is that it's goofy as hell. But you have, really like but yeah, but you're you're so. But the gameplay is actually pretty good so far. Yeah the the actual gameplay is kind of interesting. I didn't I expected it to be turn based. Um, just because I I initially oh, wait. So have you have you never played it? No, I've literally oh, never played it before. Okay. So you didn't and know I that only, there was a big twist coming. No, oh, I I know that. I oh, know there's know a big okay. twist in the story. Yeah, it's it's so hard not to be spoiled. Like right. there's like, oh yeah. Plus, let's be real. They fucking basically say it like immediately in the game. They're just like, yeah, this guy disappears, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. That's okay. 
I get it. Um, but yeah, I hadn't played it at all. So when I came into my first encounter and it says that it pauses and you choose a couple steps beforehand, you choose like four or five different actions that you can make. And then you basically unpause it and it makes those actions. I thought that was really cool because I expected it to be 100% turn-based. Um, but that's also kind of hilarious because in D&D, they have the sharpshooter perk which makes it to where you can do like plus 10 damage, but you have minus five or minus 10 to hit. So you have to roll high. Otherwise you're going to miss. But if you hit, you do a lot of damage. There's like the power shot, which I use, but it has the exact same concept. And it's laughably funny how far I miss sometimes. Sometimes I just literally shoot the ground in front of me. I'm just like, pew, <laughs> Son of a bitch. Close enough. Yeah, I'm like, not nah, okay, that's fine. Or when you shoot somebody and it obviously hit them in the leg, but they don't take any damage. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. All right. That's what's so fun about playing like these classic games is just weird shit happens and it it's just kind of fun. It's yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think you're really gonna like uh, HK forty seven once you get <laughs> that character. Yeah. Uh actually, now that you point that out, um he's like an assassination droid, right? Yeah. Yeah, they actually have him as a companion in or a similar version of him uh as a companion in um Star Wars the Old Republic the MMO. And you can get like a oh, really? that looks exactly like him. Yeah. Mhm. It's a little weird. But you have to pay for him of course. You're not going to get it for free. Got to buy them friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. Um Jay, I think you're up. Let me know if you can hear my dog in the background. He's sleep barking and he's going fucking bananas. So oh, if that's you can awesome. hear him, no, I can't hear him. It's so cute. Okay, I can I can hear it. So I just want to make sure you guys can't. Um, so since we have a longer episode this time, I thought it would be great for me to play two games. Oh, so no. I, I'm just, I actually did play two games. Uh, one of which I've talked about the podcast before. So I'm just going to briefly touch on it. But uh, so I actually also played a Star Wars game. Um, oh, I really? actually played, yeah, I played Star Wars Shadows of the Empire for N64. Uh, if you guys remember this wow. game, this game came out in 1996. Yeah, this was a throwback. Actually, I was watching somebody speedrun this like a week, a week and a half ago. And I was like, oh man, I, I got so much nostalgia watching. I was like, I gotta play this game again. So, and I've, I've wanted to play another N64 game for a little bit. I, I usually get like cravings to go back and play N64 games because I don't know. I think I'm a, mas- a masochist or something because goddamn the controls on N64 just do not age well from like the C pad to just the overall joystick is just so rough on, on so many different titles across the, the system. But uh, this game was no exception to that rule whatsoever. So uh, this game, uh, essentially, you rotate between a couple, uh, two different game modes. Uh, one that is like either a first or third person RPG, and then one similar to that of like Rogue Squadron, where you're essentially flying a vehicle uh, for some of the key battles throughout the Star Wars uh, universe. So the first level that you do is, uh, it's it's basically in the setting of the Battle of Hoth. You're doing, you're uh, doing a snow, they're called snow speeders? Snow? Yeah, that's right. Snow speeder. Okay, uh, so you're doing you're doing the very stereotypical Star Wars esque thing where you're doing the snow speeder, and there's eight there at at walkers coming at the base. You have to trip them, and then there's obviously chicken walkers, and then some droids you have to to blow up. So, typical typical setting for any sort of uh, flying combat um, Star Wars game. But this uh, this game's pretty rough with the controls. I would say, oddly enough, it's better when you're manning a vehicle than it is in the RPG which is really bizarre. I thought for sure the RPG portion of it would be better controlled and more enjoyable. By RPG, but no. you mean... Oh, sorry. 
it's like a third third or first first person um it's like first action. person shooter okay yeah yeah sorry but thank you for correcting me on that uh which you would think that that would have the easier controls the better controls but it's so bad it, it's very t- uh, tank-esque controls there's no way to strafe that at least that i found so essentially when you walk into a room if somebody's shooting you you either have to back up and then turn towards them and start shooting them or like basically move forward and left or right at the same time in order to to direct your character to shoot and the accuracy is brutal essentially the the system doesn't really give you any inclination that you're going to hit the target essentially when you're when your character is faced close enough to the direction of the opponent your your character basically auto shoots them for you so it's just really 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 bad uh, ty- type of uh, shooter, and, and the worst part is they they tried to not only do they try to do um, what's the the vertical axis called? I- essentially, uh, if there y. was something on a higher a y axis, so if something is on a higher plane than you, oh, you mean like z axis? Yeah, z axis. So essentially, if if you're on level one and the mobs or the, the characters on level two, you're trying to shoot at them. And gotcha. essentially, the, the really crappy part about it is, again, there's no way to aim. So you essentially have to be at the right spot to where your character, when you shoot, will fire up or down at that target. And again, oh, that's how, like, the original Doom is. You just have to point that direction, and if there's somebody up, then he just shoots up automatically. Exactly. Okay. And you can't. there's no inclination to tell you whether or not you're in range or your character's going to do it. So it's, it's this really, really janky mechanic. And you have the ability to jump, which essentially opens up these challenge-type things where there's these items hidden throughout the levels you have to collect. Um, I think they're called like challenge points or something like that. And essentially, the jump mechanic is, is really simple. It's, it's not as clunky as you would think. I thought for sure it was going to be one of those mechanics where you jump and every single time you're either too jumping too high or too low. Like essentially, you'll hit the ceiling or your head will hit the, the front portion of the ceiling and you'll just fall to your death. But no, the jump mechanic, oddly enough, worked pretty damn well, which is completely bizarre because the other mechanics of the actual uh, third or first person shooter were just completely bad. Um, the the difficulty of it is just not really there. The monster, the general mo- mobs that you fight are your, your typical stormtroopers and they're really, really, really bad and very inaccurate. So at least it's accurate to, to the actual sh- uh, movies. But they miss constantly, and it's really bizarre because sometimes they get an absolute jump on you. Um, so they're just they're just really easy to to dispose of. But then there's these other mobs that are like these yeti type mobs that you'll find throughout some of the levels. For some reason, they're in these cages, and you essentially open them, and three of them come out, and essentially you just backpedal and shoot them repeatedly. Oh, I forgot to mention your gun oh, the, has a like limit. the hoth monster, like the not the yeah, hoth, the wampa. But there's like right? wampa. I fought six of them so far. There's three in two separate rooms. <laughs> and I, I forgot to mention this. Your gun has a limited ammo. It's, it's just a laser gun. And essentially, it goes down to 0%. And then it just recharges. But you can fire pretty much indefinitely no matter what. So the actual mechanic of it, I don't really get. But essentially, so when you're fighting the, the Yeti-type monsters, you're basically backpedaling and just shooting them. They can never catch you as long as you don't back into a corner. Uh, but if they do catch you, they take off more than 50% of your health. I, I just tried it at one point because I was like, I wonder how hard they hit. I wonder if they hit like unbelievably hard because of the fact that they can't get to me. Yep, sure enough, they hit really freaking hard, uh, <laughs> which, again, it's super easy to avoid getting hit by them, so you should, it should never happen. But the that, that part of the game is, is actually kind of boring. It's very simple. Uh, it's very easy. The only times I really struggled is if I made some dumb mistake or if I walked into a room where there was a bunch of guys and I didn't realize it and they got a couple of free shots off. But generally, there was enough health throughout the levels to where I didn't really struggle with that portion of it. But the part that was actually relatively enjoyable, even though the mechanics weren't uh, the best, was the actual piloting 
uh, of the different spacecrafts, which when I say different, there's only really two uh, that I actually got to do, which was the Snowspeeder and then the Millennium Falcon. So the Snowspeeder level goes similar to how you'd expect. You can uh, accelerate, you can decelerate. Uh, decelerating is great for turning sharp. Uh, and then you, when you get close to the AT-AT walkers, you can throw the cable and then try to tie their legs up to, to knock them down. The monsters, the, the mobs actually have pretty good accuracy. So if you fly near the AT-AT walker, he will lock onto you and obliterate you very, very quickly, which is kind of cool. It, it, it's relatively punishing. You only have, I think, four lives to start with. So you essentially go through, I think, three or four different waves of monsters, or not monsters, but bad guys. So you have to be pretty conservative with your health and your lives just because if you get to the last one and you have no health, you can't win easily because if you try to take out the chicken walkers, the adat walker blows you apart. And if you try to go for the adat walker, the chicken walkers will just annihilate you while you're trying to do the tow cables. So essentially, it's it's a, just a matter of maintaining your resources, trying not to get hit, and then just doing as much damage as possible, right? So that, that level was pretty fun. It took me like two or three tries. Once I got the hang, uh, the understanding of how to avoid getting shot by the chicken walkers, which essentially was just getting behind them, it was pretty easy to cruise through that. And I forgot to mention this, the, the different uh, game modes, meaning like the third and first person shooter versus the piloting of the different crafts, they essentially alternate. So you get one level where you're flying a spacecraft, and then the next one you're, you know, you're playing the humanoid walking around through the levels. So the first level is spacecraft, second level is the, the uh, first or third person shooter, and then the third level you're piloting the Millennium Falcon, which the third level was really easy, especially after the first two levels. They weren't necessarily difficult, but they were, I would say they were more difficult. Uh, the third level, you're essentially piloting the Millennium Falcon, and you just have to survive and kill off TIE fighters and TIE bombers, uh, which was relatively easy. I thought initially, because there's a Star Destroyer that's there, I thought initially the whole objective was just to like stall and kill the TIE fighters long enough so that you could actually kill the Star Destroyer, but you just have to eliminate enough enemy forces. And it was pretty easy. The first time I did it, I was really concerned because Millennium Falcon feels really janky to fly. But you're in space, so it's very easy to avoid getting fire, and the arena's big enough to where if you make mistakes, you can basically just fly to the outer ring and come back around. So that was relatively easy, um, and that was actually the point I stopped. I realized that I was going to get back into another level where I was going to be playing the third or first person shooter, and I just couldn't do it. So I stopped at the end of Millennium Falcon level, but I did remember there is a way worse level coming up that I didn't do, and it, you you basically are piloting this hovercraft in the desert. It's like one of those land speeder type things. Mm -hmm. uh, and essentially, the the whole objective of it is you're flying through this city, or you're, you're going through the city really quickly, and there's objects so you either have to duck or jump over back and forth. And there's bad guys as well. And it's really poorly done, and you can't really see when things are coming at you fast enough. So it's a really just learning how to memorize the entire level so that you can avoid all the objects. It is just such a dog shit level, and I completely forgot about it. And I'm really happy that I didn't play through it this time because they do it a few times. There's a level where you're on like a train, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, where you're ducking and jumping over objects. And again, it's just really poorly done, and the timing just doesn't make sense. Like you think you're jumping at the right time based on the visuals, but you're wrong, and you take damage, and it's just <laughs> it just becomes this really really stupid game. Um, this this was an okay game. Uh, this makes me want to play Rogue Squadron again, either the one for N64 or the one for GameCube, which Another one of those games that I've definitely raged at numerous times. But uh, the, this was actually a relatively fun game for the nostalgia factor, but oof, would not recommend. I would highly recommend playing playing some of the other uh, games of a similar uh, style just because they're substantially better. I mean, this this just feels pretty questionable across the board. Um, I, I had this game, and I don't really remember a lot of it that well, but... Um... 
like just some base, like kind of my just impressions of what I remember about it. Everything you said just then, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I expected more, honestly. I, 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 my memory did not serve me well. I expected more. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, it was worthwhile. I mean, I, I was definitely worth playing again just to, be, just to be really confused at times. Especially one of the things I forgot to mention too is the, the freaking camera angles. So the camera angles are brutal in both aspects of the game. But when you're doing the, the snow speeder and you're trying to tie up the Adat's legs, the camera doesn't pan. So, so when, you're, when you're generally flying spacecrafts, you're in first person mode. But when you do the tow cable, it goes into a third-person view to help you. I'm doing air quotes to help you guide your your uh, tow cable around the legs of the Adite Walker. But what it really does is it gives you this angle where you can't tell if you're too fucking close or too fucking far away. Because if you're an inch, it, it they don't give you much leeway. If you're too far away, you lose your tow cable, and you have a limited number of them. And if you're too close, obviously you crash and you die. And it's it's this mind numbing experience because you think you're. You're, you think you're like perfect, and it's like, nope, you dropped your toe cable too far. You're like, fine, I'll cut my corners a little bit sharper. Oh, I hit the leg and I'm dead. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> remember it, that, yeah. You're towing the line, if you know what I mean. It's a real, real thin. Ah, oh, it's just brutal. Uh, <laughs> so that was the first game I played. The second game I played for the podcast before. So I went camping last weekend with a close group of friends, and one of my buddies and I have been talking about playing uh, since obviously Pokemon is coming out. We were going to play one of the older ones. And do what a, another Nuzlocke challenge. And I've obviously talked about it in depth on the podcast. But Nuzlocke is essentially a community-driven project where they essentially list out a number of rules that you can utilize to make the game more challenging or just to give yourself a different experience. Generally, the, the main rules that people follow is if you tame a Pokemon, you have to nickname it just so you have a more emotional attachment to it. If a Pokemon passes out, it dies and you lose it. Uh, so obviously, the emotional attachment comes into play. Uh, the first Pokemon you encounter in each area, that's the only Pokemon you can catch in that area. So it creates this little bit of an RNG balance, makes the game a little bit more challenging. So I was doing a playthrough of Pokemon Silver, and I was just crushing it. It was no challenge. I've played it before, and I was just getting very good luck on the random Pokemon I was encountering. And I was like, eh, maybe I do want to try Nuzlocke. So we went camping. Uh, we actually sat in a most beautiful spot in the world. We were sitting in hammocks. Um, my close friend and I, we were just playing Pokemon Silver uh, Nuzlocke. Super fun. I, I put, uh, I probably played about nine hours so far uh, between two <laughs> between two runs because my first run I lost. I got to Whitney, who is anybody who's played Pokemon Silver knows Whitney. Oh my God. It's so frustrating. Her last Pokemon is called Miltank. It's a cow, oddly enough. And it has Mil the ability Tank. to heal itself. Yeah, it's called Miltank. It's so fucking stupid. But uh, it has the ability <laughs> to heal itself for a lot, which is really, really frustrating because it's very high level. It's level 20, which most people are like 16 to 18 at this point. And generally, when you do the, tra the gym battles, which anybody knows Pokemon, the whole objective is to clear all the gyms. Uh, when Usually, when you get to the gyms, you're a few levels higher than the last Pokemon that the gym leader has. In this case, she's usually a couple levels above everyone. And her Pokemon is super tanky, has the, the weakness that it has, you don't really get the opportunity to collect Pokemon or tame Pokemon of that kind. And lastly, she has an ability called Rollout that essentially every time it's used, until it misses, it doubles the damage. So the way it works is, let's say your Pokemon has 50 health, it hits for 5. Next time, 10. Next time, 20. Next time, 40. Next time, 80. The problem is, when your Pokemon dies that counter doesn't go down. So when you bring out your next Pokemon, she gets the first shot on you and she rolls rolls out and it does 160 damage. One shot's that Pokemon. You bring your next one out, 320, that Pokemon's dead. And it just becomes this really, really vicious cycle. And she has the ability to heal, her, heal this Pokemon. 
Long story short, I wiped. I lost all my Pokemon, which when all your Pokemon yeah. faint, you die, and your account automatically deletes, which is really fun. So I'm doing another playthrough, and I am struggling right now. I am in the worst spot right now. I can't progress any further in the game. I can't cast. I can't catch any more Pokemon because I've used all the. I've collected all the Pokemon in the areas that I've explored so far, and I am running out of money because you only get money from trainer battles. And I'm at Whitney again, and I'm super tilted because I don't want to die again. But I lost my main Pokemon and my second Pokemon, so I have three just absolute dog shit Pokemon right now. So I'm really enjoying my second playthrough, which is probably going to result in a wipe. Um, but it's been very fun. And I, <laughs> it, I will say it, it, it is really frustrating. And the first time it happened, I'm like, I'm never playing Pokemon again. I'm just so done with this. But <laughs> when you have a, a group to, to more or less uh, vent and grieve, it makes it so much more enjoyable because as I was losing my main Pokemon, my close friend that I was playing with missed out on a huge opportunity and then lost his Pokemon. And I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better now because, you know, if he's suffering, I'm suffering. It's, it's still enjoyable. Um, but I think after I wipe on this, I think I'm done with Pokemon Silver. I think we're going to try and play a different one. I think we're going to play one of the DS ones and we're actually going to use what's called a randomizer, uh, which allows you to make it more or less edit the rules even further uh, than some of the other Nuzlocke challenges that are there. So you can actually change where Pokemon spawn, uh, where items spawn, where the gyms are, uh, what type of gyms they are, et cetera, et cetera, to make it a little bit more interesting. That's cool. But uh, yeah, it's been very fun. I'm not going to buy a Pokemon Sword and Shield, but I'm going to continue to play old ones. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, this is all in preparation for a game I'm not even buying. Perfect. Um, awesome. I'm trying to think there's anything else. Yeah, that, that's... That's about what I've been up to. All right, sweet. Well, why don't we take a quick break and then we will uh, jump into our top fives. All right. Uh, so we, so Josh is on the East Coast, and so and this is a long ass episode, and it's even later for him than it is for everybody else. So what we're gonna do is uh, we're moving on to top fives. Instead of doing our normal routine, we're gonna let Josh do his five through one, and then skip out, and then we're gonna take it from here. If that's cool with you guys. Um, I'm not okay I mean, with this, but I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> so, the top five for this episode is top five games that you wish you liked more. Josh, why don't you tell us the top five games that you wish you liked more? Sure. Uh, let me preface this with uh, this was a hard list to come up with. I agree um, with that. It's kind of yeah. a weird one. It was a weird one because when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, they mean." top five games that you wish others liked more so that it would have been like can the series would have been continued or something like that and i was like oh wait no that i don't like uh, so i some of these are kind of a stretch uh i will say that but i'll go with um so number one the main one that I wish I liked more because i've tried this multiple times to get into this game and i don't know what it is about this uh i've tried the well i guess i'll start with five because that would make more sense right okay so i'll start with the low one so the low one is uh kind of a joke one and it's shack fu nice (laughs) classic yeah so uh shack fu was not that great of a game (laughs) and the only reason why i wish it was better is because for some reason me and my best buddy have this strange uh inside joke about Shaq just as a person in general uh, he's like he's Shaq's hilarious. just the joke he is hilarious he, dude he is such he, a troll 
he is hilarious and yeah. he's he's crazy he's like a dj a cop like i don't know it's so weird the things that he's doing but for some reason um back in the day i don't remember why we used to just do his voice as an impression <laughs> we used to talk about weird shit and one of the days we said i forget if it was me or him but it was something about <laughs> don't stick my head in the microwave <laughs> And then it was him going, and like, just like exploding for some reason. I have no idea where that started, but to this day, it'll still randomly come up. Whenever we talk about Shaq, it goes straight to his head in the microwave. (laughs) That's extremely random, and and I like it. He also, really how is. often do you talk about Shaq? You said whenever he comes up. Is he oh, quite yeah. often? <laughs> Listen, he comes up in my friend group quite a bit. He's hilarious. It, yeah, it's pretty often, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why. Did you see the video link? Have you ever seen this video where he, he bets Charles Barkley that he can eat this like super-duper hot chip uh, without making a face for like 50 bucks? It's so freaking funny. It's like one of those... I think it's a million Scoville chips or something. It's like disgustingly hot. It's yeah, it like so one hot. chip comes in like a little cardboard. Yeah, it comes in a coffin. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I haven't seen this one, but I've seen the one where he went on uh, Hot Ones. Yeah, yeah. His face. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> not going to make a face. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to make a face. I'm going to make a face. Uh, so good. <laughs> Too good. So I wish it was a better game just so I could actually, you know, want to play it with him. Um, I like the perspective on this. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, the fourth one is the original Fallout, both Fallout 1 and 2. Mm, good one. So I love the Fallout series. I'm a big Fallout fan, and I have tried multiple times to get into Fallout 1 and 2. Oh, I have the games, but they're just so, from like a standpoint of accessibility, like to go back to that point, it's just so clunky for me. I can't do it. The controls and the mechanics in the game are so you. cumbersome. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and I just and I love like I love the Fallout story and I want to be a part of that world because I know that one and two were done in such a great way narratively, but I just I can't get past the mechanics. It's too rough around the edges. I tried playing Fallout One and I did not get very far. I was just like, Oh, this is painful. Yeah. Cause it it was the same kind of thing. Like I tried it and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And like I should have some kind of grasp on this because I played a lot of games that were in that time period and that had that same kind of style. But for some reason, it just nothing made sense to me. And I was like, I, I can't put in time and investment into this. Yeah. Um, the third one. Now this is a super cop out. Uh, Earthbound. <laughs> oh, wow. Earthbound. And literally the only reason is because for some reason, it's just always on my queue of like, things that I should play. And for some reason, I just never get to it. Never, wow. You've never played it? I've never played Earthbound. It still holds up pretty that well. That is it, my favorite RPG. It is very good. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I really have to try it, but just for some reason, it's always something that stops me from getting to it. Well, if you ever play it, you're welcome to come on. Give us a review. If I, if I yeah. When the minute I play it, I'll, I'll come on and talk about it. And we'll see how it actually stacks up. Oh, I love that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number two is The Secret of Monkey Island. Oh, no! <laughs> you know that's Robert's favorite game? Really? Yep. Oh, yeah. 
I want a huge point click adventure person. Uh, see, that's the thing is I want to love it. I know that it's a good game and series in general, and that like the the actual writing for it is good. I just there's something about point and clicks, man. I can't get into those type of games. But I've always like there's so many people that uh, like friends and people who just in general have said like, oh, you should really try the Secret of Monkey Island games. And I just I couldn't do it. Robert's so why. quiet. I'm scared he's gonna like start screaming or something. <laughs> No, I, I, I want to go ahead and throw. I'm, and this, I'm not doing this uh, as a. Um, I'm not just trying to get back at you, but uh-huh. I just wanted to let you know before you head off in a minute that my number five is Super Mario RPG. That's hilarious, <laughs> Rob. I'm not trying to get back at you, but I am. But I am. <laughs> I, but I am. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really it's a point and click thing. I just there's something to those games that the pacing for it just never stuck with me. I hear you. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Don't hate me. <laughs> okay. And then, so uh, the last one, the final one, uh, number one on my list is actually the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Whoa. Okay, now yeah. I'm upset. Yeah, have <laughs> I ever told you you're a bitch? <laughs> I, I love just this. I'm pissing again. off it's everyone, so and then I'm good. just gonna. Dip. I, thought, I was entirely expecting this to be another one of my favorite games. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not too big. Have you played Oblivion, or are you? I've played it. I've tried to play it twice. Wow, can never stick with Ouch. it. It's, it's. I don't know why. It's another game where I'll play it, and I'll have a good time for a couple of hours, and then I'll look at it, and I'll be like. Eh, okay i'm done and i don't know why i just it, something about it will not stick with me there's like so much to it but for some reason it just never compels me to play past like three to four hours of it do you it like is... sorry, sorry. Go on, you go no you're good do you like any of the elder scrolls games uh, you about to get just straight up slapped in the face, Josh? I mean, no, I'm not. A, I'm not like a big Elder Scrolls fan myself. Yeah, no, I am. I'll slap him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're okay. They're just not my thing. Okay. I can understand the, the feeling of not enjoying it for a few hours because it does get repetitive unless you can really get into it. And for me, it's like it does take me some time to get Oblivion. But I feel like the way Oblivion starts, like the the initial uh, story that starts, it had me intrigued for at least like 10 hours because it's such a strong opening. It's I, I think it's probably the strongest of the series, to be honest. Right. Like, I really enjoyed that first chunk. Like, I always yeah. get to the point where I go to the first portal. I go in mm-hmm. to the, like, the Hellgate. I then will walk around into certain towns and do a couple things. Sure. And then I, I think it's a an issue with me in general for, like, open world type games. Yeah. Is when there's so much to do, I generally am like, well, I'm not sure what to start on first. And it's, I mean, I do the same thing in real life when I have, like, too many projects on my plate. I'm like, well... I've got a lot to do. Instead of actually doing that, I'll just do I'm gonna none do of nothing. It. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I think I that's it. really what happens to me with those type of games. Is it just it's so overwhelming that I'm just like, eh, I whatever, it'll be fine. Uh, the thing is, I, I the, not to. I'm not trying to, to debate this with you. I, I actually agree with you on that because that's what one of my biggest complaints about Skyrim is. Is it just feels like there's so much to do and there's not 
really any structure to it for the most part. Right. I feel like Oblivion had enough structure to where I could actually like, sink my teeth into it. But I can understand that criticism in all seriousness because especially now, every game wants to throw the tag of open world on mm-hmm. on their on their title, and it's just becoming such. It, it's more becoming like baggage to me than than a good thing. So I yeah. can understand that. Yeah, I mean. It's okay. I made a lot of enemies today, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm blocking you on social media. It's okay. Ah, It happens. Well, and with that, guys, uh, banana hammock. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You go to bed. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It works perfectly. Perfectly well. Um, You go get to bed. We're going to finish this up. Wish us luck. Hopefully we'll be done before uh, like November 17th. Yeah, right. (laughs) Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Josh. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, definitely, I would love to be a part of this again. Uh, just maybe a little earlier for me <laughs> next time. Awesome. Sure. Actually, it's better for me too, so I'm fine with that. <clears throat> All right, perfect. We'll do it. Anyway, thanks again for having uh, both me and Vaughn on. Sure thing. Take care. Later, guys. See ya. I never got to ask him Thank if he's God ever he's tried gone. being a, a vampire in Oblivion where oh, you get the old man face and every time you go outside you fucking burn to death. It's bullshit. One of my first playthroughs I, I had to actually restart because of that. I couldn't get the cure because every time I would fast travel I would just instantly die because it would be daytime. Oh, God. <laughs> what a dumb That's fucking mechanic. Right. In the in, I was so terrified of it when I first started playing Skyrim. I just stocked up on the like cure disease oh, potion, yeah, yeah just because it did that. Or I would uh, go immediately and become a werewolf because you can't contract vampirism <laughs> after that. That makes That's sense. Awesome. Oh, that was yeah. so frustrating. What a bizarre mechanic. <laughs> it's so fucking annoying. Plus, the Thieves Guild quest sucks fat ass in Oblivion. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> All right, let's move on with our top fives in the proper fashion. We'll go number five each. Number five, everybody do the number four, everybody do the number three, and so on and so forth in that case. Um, why don't we that just seems go... pretty complicated. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just follow our lead. You'll do we fine. <laughs> uh, why don't we... We'll just do the same order that we did earlier. So I'll go first, then uh, Vaughn, then Jay. All right, cool. my number five, I just said this a minute ago, uh, my number five game that I wish I liked more is Super Mario RPG. The game has so much charm. It's so funny. I love everything about it except for the combat, and I know that the combat does new unique things. I still just get bored to hell with it, and it makes me just bored with the game because there's a lot of combat in it. So that's my number five. Vaughn, what's your number five fifth most wished that you liked more game my number five is kind of interesting because i do actually really like this game but i could like it a lot more <laughs> if they changed some stuff which is a little weird uh but it's actually everquest 2 <laughs> the mmo uh, oh, wow. it's actually still going you can still play it I have recently, like before uh, World of Warcraft Classic came out, I decided to check out some older like classic RPGs because I really wanted to get into some. And uh, EverQuest 2 is just randomly like on Steam, I think. So I decided to to pick it up and play. And initially it's free, I guess, but eventually once you hit a certain level, you actually have to pay a subscription to keep playing, from what I understand. Um but I actually really liked a lot of it. There were a few things that I didn't enjoy about it that could change to make me like it a lot more, which is you have like 
it's like standard MMOs where you get bags and bags will increase your inventory space, but you also have a really limited uh, like bank space as well. Hmm. And it has, from what I understand, a robust like housing system, which is really, really cool. But in, this might just be me being a dumbass. It gives you all sorts of really cool stuff for your house early on in the game. But I didn't find out a way to collect it or anything to get it out of my inventory. <laughs> so I like basically my entire bank space was just full with furniture. And I was Jeez. like, I don't want to get rid of it because this is cool. But yeah, there's, there's just no way. Plus, apparently there's a pretty big like dwindling player base. There are still people who are playing it quite often and people really enjoy it. Um, but there's just no new players so much so that I was like, just playing i was running around because you can make a rat boy and i thought that was so cool i put an eye patch on him he was a swashbuckler was sweet. <laughs> and uh i was just sitting there playing and some guy ran up to me and he's like hey uh have you ever played this before and i was like no i'm just trying this out just picked it up the other day and he's like oh my god it was like i was an endangered species <laughs> to this guy get the uh, camera get the camera yeah, he was so surprised, and he like added me to his friends list and all sorts of stuff. And he was like, "Yeah, this would be amazing. I'm so excited. I no, I haven't seen a new player in months." And I was like, "No fucking way, that is impossible." So yeah, there are a few things that I would change about EverQuest Two that would make me like it a lot more. Uh, changing up the inventory, um, trying to do something to increase the player base, and getting rid of the subscription fee. Because I like I would actually have continued to play if I didn't eventually like if I didn't know that there would eventually be a point where I had to pay 15 bucks or if the subscription fee was less. If it was only like five bucks or ten, I might have actually done it. But 15 for some reason was just too much. I'm not yeah, that's, I mean, how old is that? That's a pretty old game to have a. It, it came out the same year as World of Warcraft. Oh, OK. It's, I thought it was it old. Came 15 out, years ago. Yeah, it came out in 2004 and it looks like it came out in 2004. It gotcha. looks exactly the same. I hear you. Okay. All right, Jay, number five? My number five is Metroid Prime for the GameCube. So I actually preface this. I don't dislike any of these games greatly. Some of these games I like, but I wish I liked them enough or more to where I could actually complete them or get far enough in. Metroid Prime, I got it uh, very early on with my GameCube. I played it for a few hours. I liked it, but I was really looking for a, a, a newer um, version of like the Super Nintendo or the regular Nintendo version. And Prime just didn't do that for me. But later on, I realized how good of a game it was. I could just never sink my teeth into it. I, I really can't justify why. It's just one of those games. It's like, yeah, I know it's a really good game and I should like it, but I don't. So. All right. Well, Jay, my number four is Metroid Prime. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. That's actually crazy. It's weird. Uh, I am like, I pretty much feel the exact same way. Like everything you said, just fill that in for me. And that's, that's, that's how I feel about it too. Like I can tell it's good. I love the, I love the aesthetic of the Metroid series. And, but I just, I, I got like a few hours in maybe three ish mm -hmm. or so. And I just like, I just wasn't really feeling it anymore. Just kind of right wasn't having any fun with it anymore. Okay, that was weird. All right, Vaughn, back to you, number four. So this is actually kind of funny because it's just, I was goofing on Josh about not liking the Elder Scrolls games. Uh, just kind of shitting on him a bit because that's kind of our dynamic. But my actual number four is the Elder Scrolls 3 of Morrowind. <laughs> because 
I haven't played enough of it. I don't think it's a bad game, and I don't dislike it. I actually enjoy what I played. I'm similar to Jay where none of these games I actually hate. It's just certain circumstances have made me not like them as much as I could. Um, for Elder Scrolls like 3 Oblivion, or Oblivion, Morrowind, I haven't played enough, but what I played, I really enjoyed. Um, I played it when I was really young and my like initial impressions were really interesting. My friend showed me that you could actually go out into the swamp of the main area and find that weird ass wizard who's making oh, flight yeah. scrolls. And he falls from the sky. Yeah, he falls from the sky and then you could take the flight scrolls and I was like, that's so cool. And I remembered seeing that a quest on my map was far away. So I was like, dude, you know what? I'm going to try to use one of these flight scrolls. I figured out real quick why he died. So... <laughs> You use it, and then it just flings you across the map like a meteor. And I hit a wall and just fucking died. I basically just splatted my brains everywhere. It was fantastic. It's by far one of my favorite things that's ever happened in a video game. Because it was so weird. And I've never seen anybody make a flight scroll in a video game that just basically was the worst thing you've ever invented. Is there it's a way to use it yeah. like without dying? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah later on. Okay. Yeah. It's... It so I will say one of the things that's really difficult about that game is the quality of life stuff is just not there. There's a lot of things uh -huh, that are like, oh, this yeah. is kind of cool, but it just does. There are certain things that just do not age well in that game, unfortunately. It well, is a like fun how game. How slow it is? Well, how about when you hit things, you if your weapon skill is too low, you just miss. Yep. You could physically uh -huh. hit the target a hundred times and one of them will land. And it, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> alone is brutal. Your inventory, the questing, yeah, there's... It's it the quests like you said are pretty damn cool, but oof, it is a rough playthrough. What's pretty sad about that is you saying that it's so hardcore and kind of fucked up makes me want to play it. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the brink of buying, uh, so it's backwards compatible on Xbox One. I've been on the brink of buying a like original Xbox One copy with all the DLC, but I just haven't because it's like twenty dollars. Like Xbox, like original Xbox. Yeah, sorry, I always say Xbox One. Yes, yeah. the original Xbox copy. Gotcha. Um, I've been thinking about buying it, but just haven't, and that's probably going to push me over the edge. I also have an original Xbox, so yeah, I could always play it, you know, the good old-fashioned way. But yeah, my my uh, number four was The Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Cool. I, rem I remember I, when I, I bought that game when it came out, and it was like... It was like people were surprised that I had a good enough computer that could run it. Because that game like pushed, it was oh, like yeah. notorious for pushing hardware. Same with Oblivion, honestly. But when Oblivion came out, because they had some crazy mechanics where if you bumped into tables, objects would move and stuff. Like right. they really oh, yeah. pushed the limit of that, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it was, yeah, both Morrowind and Oblivion were very graphically intense for the time. What's so crazy about that is that's one of my most hated features that exists within the Elder Scrolls games is bumping into shit and it falls over. Oh, yeah. Because of Skyrim in the Hearthfire DLC where you, like, can build your own house, it's, like, it's its own place. <laughs> and you can put stuff down, but when you enter, oh. it spawns the stuff. So, like, you'll walk into a room where you had all these cool crystals and shit, and then they'll just be everywhere. Like a bomb exploded. <laughs> It's so fucking annoying. Love it. That's brutal. All right, Jay, number four. Uh, my number four is Secret of Mana. So obviously a huge fan of Secret of Evermore. I've done multiple playthroughs. Uh, I know I know, I should like Secret of Mana, especially with how much of a fan of Secret of Evermore I am. But I have tried this game. I have literally 
just tried, pushed five or ten hours into this game, and I just can't get into it. I know at some point in my life I'll have some sort of realization and be able to play my way through it, but oh man, I have tried multiple instances of doing this, sitting down and just purely focused on, on playing just this game, and I just can't get into it far enough to, to sink me in, unfortunately. Dude, I played, I tried playing it, I got a couple, like two, probably about three hours into it when uh, when I got the Super Nintendo Classic, oh, yeah. and I feel the exact same way. I, I, and I don't feel like I wish I liked it more. I just kind of don't feel like it was that good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, with how much I like Secret of Evermore, I feel like it's a better version of Secret of Evermore, but, it's, but it just doesn't come out that way to me. I don't know. It's weird. It is such a bizarre experience for me. It is a really good looking game, and I would be willing to give it another try, but based on what I remembered, I just, I just didn't like <laughs> it. Every time I think that, I'm like, I should give it another try. And then I start playing and I'm like 30 minutes in. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I remember why I stopped playing. I hate how you have to be one inch away from the edge of the screen for it to scroll. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you say you just run into bad guys all the time. Okay. Uh, Number three. My number three is Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. Hmm. One of the all time, like (laughs) most loved PC games ever. And I don't, this is one, kind of going back to what you guys were saying earlier, I don't dislike this game. I actually like it quite a bit. But there are people who, like many, many people who just absolutely cannot get enough of this game. They've been playing it like ever since it came out and they like still love it just as much as when they got it. It's like, this game was really a phenomenon. And it does a lot of, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a great game straight up. For me, and I played this, you know, on the podcast, it was probably this year. It was either this year or, like, late last year. And uh, I did like it. I had a lot of fun with it. But I didn't catch that, like, holy shit factor that so many people seem to have with it. And I th- and I would like to because, you know, it's fun really, really, really liking games. Um, for me, it was just, like, a really good game. And after five or six hours, I had had enough. Not like most people who you know, play it for hundreds of hours and still just can't get enough of it. So this was a, this is a super solid game. I just wish I had the same appreciation of it that, that so many other people do. All right, Vaughn. So my number three is probably going to burn some bridges Uh here. Uh I don't know if it's necessarily going to do it here. It's not, I, I, it's not a point and click adventure game. Don't worry. Okay. (laughs) But, uh, my number three is Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. Because I fucking hate the N64. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> I just hate the controller so yep. much. <laughs> and I, can't. I just can't bring myself to do anything with that controller. And I actually brought this up on our podcast. Like, I think one of the first like few episodes we did, and Josh got so angry because he loves Banjo. <laughs> <laughs> I've never played it. You probably don't need to. It's fine. Um, <laughs> how, all right. Tell me, how do you hold the N64 controller? Um, I would assume with two hands, but you actually can't hold that controller like fully because there's the three prongs. Yep. So what no, that's I what I'm wondering. Do... Like, yeah, how do you hold uh, what? How do you put your hands? How do you position your yeah, hands on it? I would put my right hand on the right side and then mm-hmm. my left hand on the center. That's about it. Okay. That's as far as I'd go, because you got to use like the joystick. I always put mine left on the left side, right on the right side. 
Wow, how'd you do the joystick? I just reached across with my thumb. Oh my! For the joystick, you have gigantic hands. I how guess big so. Are your hands. Try it, because I don't. I don't think I have enormous hands, but I never had a. Pro- I mean, yeah, you have to stretch a little bit, but I never had a problem. I never felt like I was having to like, you know, make a huge effort to reach the joystick. You've got like monkey thumbs. They're just like a foot long. <laughs> but I just remember. I remember like the first time I picked it up. I was like, "What am I supposed to do with this? Like, this is not." This does, this controller does not make sense. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to try this. And then I just like, just, you know, I just went with whatever like random way I picked to play with first. Yeah, I don't understand the, the idea of like <laughs> making a controller. They're just like, yeah, you can only, you just like try to use all of it. <laughs> not going to happen. Because <laughs> there's also like the buttons on the bottom too. So I don't, oh, yeah, I don't Z get button. it. Yeah, it's just so annoying. That controller's so bulky. That, like, I don't know. But I'm also the person who wishes the PlayStation would have come out with the Boomerang controller just because of how terrible it would have been. Boomerang controller? Yeah, the PS3 originally had a different controller than the DualShock 3 that looked like a Boomerang. Really? Um, But, yeah, but because of, like, fan backlash and people goofing on it so hard, they ended up (laughs) switching it out for basically what is a uh, DualShock 2 shell, like the PS2, but without the cord. Um, And initially, they didn't actually have the, like, HD rumble, so that's why you can find some that are called six-axis controllers that basically just feel like a shell. And then they added the, uh, the HD rumble, and then it makes it a little bit heftier which actually makes it the DualShock 3 um, instead of like a six axis controller. But yeah, it was like, apparently it was egregious. It looks like exactly like a boomerang. That's hilarious. I don't think I've ever seen that somehow. Yeah, I uh, it never actually came out. They were just like, I ha- I think they initially put out pictures of it and uh, like promotional material and people just hated it so much. Do you guys remember speaking of things looking like other things? <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> do you remember when Resident Evil Six, when the logo for that first came out? If you remember, no. you probably you probably already know. When Resident Evil Six came out, the the logo for it originally <laughs> looked exactly like girl giving a giraffe a blowjob. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not joking. Hold on. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm, I'm I'm searching um Resident Evil 6 giraffe blowjob right now. <laughs> this is it right here. Uh <laughs> here. A giraffe giving a blowjob? No, a girl giving a giraffe a blowjob. I kind of see it. See oh, that? I, see I posted oh, yeah, the picture of the boomerang controller. Oh, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I kind of remember that now, now that I'm seeing it. Yeah, That's I see the, the giraffe giving a blowjob. Yeah. I, I'm, fuck, I keep saying giraffe giving blow, a girl giving a giraffe a blowjob. <laughs> yeah. I see it. And he's like, it's like, like the giraffe's girl. wearing giant boots also. <laughs> <laughs> That's supposed to be a number six. I don't know if you could even tell. Yeah, I got that. But, That's uh, like a that terrible number so six. so uncomfortable, by the way. Huh? Yeah, like, the boomerang controller. Look how uncomfortable it is. Your hands would be yeah. like, decently down the slope. You'd have to hit those R and L buttons. That looks terrible. Yeah, you'd have to have super long thumbs. Those bumpers are. They're so big. Yeah. Look how awkward the directional pad too. That, that does not look like it receives inputs well. Like that looks like a shitty directional pad. Yeah, it's at like a weird angle. It looks yeah. so bad. Oh. I wish this controller came out though, just because it's so bad. I also wish that the PS5 looks exactly like the dev kits that looks like a V. I just think it looks mm. so stupid. 
You know what's funny is that um like they still it still ended up being a terrible controller. <laughs> I actually really like the the, uh, the DualShock 3. I just really? like the form factor. Oh, yeah, I hated it. I initially like grew up playing I uh, I had like in well, I had technically I also had a GameCube, but I didn't play it a whole lot, but I played the uh like the Xbox and the Duke is just massive. It's like a five pound controller. I could murder somebody with that controller. <laughs> and then I, uh, yeah, that's where mine goes. It's just like, Hey, if this is heavy, I could kill somebody with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I eventually went over to like, I got the Xbox 360, which then has a slightly lighter controller and it's a little bit smaller and eventually like got the PS3 because my friends had been playing with it for a long time and they really liked it and realized that because of, and I'm pretty sure this is just a wives tale, but because of how much smaller the controller was, I was better at video games. So that's why I like the DualShock 3 controller. That's about it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, who, where are I don't know where we are anymore. Uh, it was Jay's number three. Okay, I oh, think perfect. you're right. All right, my number three uh, is Bullfrog's Black and White. So Black and White is a very unique title that I really enjoyed when I playing it when I was younger. I didn't fully understand it, which was kind of the, the thing that drew me into it. I tried playing it recently, and I just couldn't get back into it whatsoever. The, the basic mechanics of the game just really didn't do enough for me to be interested and the overall play style got kind of repetitive and boring to where it just really didn't draw me in. And I know it's still supposedly a really good game and people think talk about it pretty highly. So it's one of those games that I just, you know, kind of wish I could get back into. I tried to Google it and it's literally just pictures of frogs. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, if you just Google black and white CPU game, I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never really liked that game. I liked the mystery of it as a kid. I just... I don't know. I just didn't really enjoy it as much. All right. Uh, I guess it's back to me. My number two. All right. This is one that I've been playing a little bit over the past couple months. I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet just because I haven't really had a chance to. So this is a spoiler for an upcoming episode. This game, I have only heard it discussed in the context of being one of the greatest PC games of all time. And I've never heard anybody say anything negative about it. And I gave it a shot and I just, I gave it like a good shot too. I played. What are I played, we talking about here? I, you know, I, you know, there's I'm getting there. a lot there. of build up. Yeah, there's a build up, dude. <laughs> uh, I put probably four, I put probably five or so hours into this game. And I just, I just wasn't feeling it. This is Star Control 2. Uh, came out in like the early nineties, I think, or yeah, no, it was definitely the early nineties. It was 92. Um, and it's a, uh, long story short, it's like a, basically a space exploration game. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that, but just, you know, as a quick rundown and I just don't love it. And I wish I did because everybody else loves this game so damn much. I love space games. I love science fiction in general. It does have a lot of positive things going for it, but for me, the gameplay, ju- I just didn't have fun playing it. It was repetitive, and for me, it, there just wasn't a whole lot to it. I'm sure I'll catch some shit for this, but uh, I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't like it. All right, Vaughn, number two. My number two, kind of. Uh, 
I don't know. It's a little bit weird, mostly because a lot of people don't like this game for certain reasons. But my number two is Final Fantasy X. Oh! (laughs) I wish I liked this game more because it's one of... And this is kind of a... It's a weird story, especially since I'm being a, I'm a guest on a classic gaming podcast, but I didn't get super into games until a little bit later in life. Hmm. So there are certain like moments in my childhood that I wish I would have played a game more and I wish I would have liked it a lot more sure. so I could then get into games a lot earlier and I could have played a lot of the amazing games on PS2. I might have actually got into Persona and I could have done all these things, but instead I didn't. And one of those like one of those times I can remember is playing Final Fantasy X and Blitzball just kicking my fucking ass. <laughs> it's oh, so hard. Fuck yeah. Blitzball <laughs> But the thing but you don't have to like at least you don't have to uh like there are a couple times where you have to play Blitzball, but you don't have to like really. Yep, you do don't it. have to win. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You don't necessarily have to. I also really, really wished I liked it, and this is kind of just like a stupid me reason because Oren is so cool. Oh yeah, he really he's, is cool. He's oh, yeah. so fucking awesome. Did you see what they're doing in the new one with him? Oh, he's it's cool. so great. Huh? It's no, so huh? It's so crazy. It? I won't. It's the the new whatever they're doing to ruin that game into the ground further. Where are you they're, going? Uh, doing. They're doing a, a third installment of Final Fantasy X, or unless they canceled it. Ten three. Uh, whereas, yeah, it's you play as Oren's daughter. Surprise, surprise! That nobody knew existed until this game came out. And you play. I think it's Oren's daughter and somebody Stop. else. Oh yeah, it's cringy as fuck. I watched the. They did like a um, a reveal where they gave you like a three hour disc where you could just like listen to audio from the game to like get build up for the story. Oh man, it's cringy. It is so cringy. <laughs> um, Oren is a pretty is is a pretty good badass. My favorite uh, character from that game was Lulu. Lulu's pretty dope. I hate the fact that her and Waka got, got together at the end of it. It's like freaking. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Don't remember, don't don't they say that. Baby, I, yeah, I blocked that out of baby. my memory. What is that in? Is that in the main game? That's in the second one. Yeah. Holy also, the other shit. Thing was really bad that. about this third one that's coming out. Ready for this? Ready for this? Ready for this? No, Titus really doesn't feel like he can become part of this world anymore. And him and Yuna are on this island, and he's just complaining. And then somebody kicks a blitzball at him and hits him in the head and explodes and kills him. <laughs> There's no way that that's real. <laughs> oh my Titus, god! Watch this! Watch this! Titus dies to exploding blitzball. <laughs> this is in which one? Here it is. This is in two? Final Fantasy 10-2.5. Wait, so this is a game that has already come out? All right. The main issue people are taking with the storyline. Okay. Titus finds a, a spherical object. He assumes can be nothing other than a blitzball. His instincts start to get better. And he approaches it to kick it. To much his surprise, the blitzball turns out to be a bomb, which explodes. The explosion not only kills Titus, but also sends his head flying. You think a fucking anybody, joke? Does anybody else Stop. think Titus is so dumb that he thinks everything round is Luke. a blitzball? Look at this meme! Oh my god, look at this gif! Oh my god! <laughs> Somebody animated it! Oh up. my god! Yeah, so apparently they've been working That's on this awesome. for a while. It is so cringy. I can't believe they're actually doing this. Like, it's just so lazy. They're like, oh, we can't come up with any anything new that's of of substance. Let's go back and just drill this into the ground one more time. So are you guys actually fans of Final Fantasy X? You seem I am. To get I'm a big I am, yeah. I like it. I liked it. Yeah, I love Final Fantasy no X. No way. Yeah. X yeah, is brutal, and this is just brutal, brutal. 
Yeah, there's always people like talking shit about it, and it's really been making me. I I really want to play it just because I have fond memories of it as a kid. Um, but yeah, fucking Blitzball, dude. Play uh, <laughs> play the international version if you do play it again. It's really okay. good. Yeah, it, it's a little bit more challenging. Some more quality of life stuffs there. It's just a more well-rounded game. This was actually the first Final Fantasy game that I played. Besides Tactics. No, I played this before Tactics. Oh, really? Okay. I played this way before I played Final Fantasy Tactics. My first uh, interaction with Final Fantasy in general was uh, when I was a kid, I was over at my like brother's dad's house, and there's like a guy who lived with them that we called our uncle. It's just like one of those guys that's like super close to their family, so he's an uncle. Um, and he had like a PC and we knew never to touch it, but I was like, you know what, dude, I want to fucking play a game. So I like went over there and I started clicking on it and his screensaver was a, uh, a naked final fantasy girl. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which one? Yeah. And how, where do you, do you I, download this? Cause I'm going to be very judgmental based on the answer here. I'm honestly not a hundred percent sure. I think it was actually, uh, you, you brought up Lulu and I like looked at a picture of her. I think it was her. Oh my wow. gosh. I'm sorry, I thought for sure it was going to be like Tifa or something. I thought it was going to be Riku. Yeah, Riku's another one that people have weird obsessions with. Jesus Christ. I didn't like Riku too much. I loved Riku as a character in the first one. I thought she was really fun, but people are fucking weird. I hated <laughs> I hated her the second she said uni. I didn't mind that. I don't know. Anyways, we are completely off track. <laughs> no, we're not. Okay, whose turn is it now? Who I think it's mine again. I yeah. just... Okay. Go. All number right. two? My number two um, is Kingdom Hearts, actually. Kingdom Hearts is... Oh, you wish you liked it? I wish I liked it more. There is a lot of people that I know that very much so like the series. They've done how many freaking installments of this? There's like 10 different games. Hey, but what, what I'm saying is they made a lot of games. People seem to enjoy them quite a bit, and I just can't do it anymore. After, after my... Ba- I had a good playthrough of, of Kingdom Hearts I thought you were going to say, like, I, after I hit puberty. <laughs> yeah, after I hit puberty. <laughs> Uh, after the war, you know, uh, it was my last playthrough of Kingdom Hearts was just so rough that I just couldn't get back into it. And I cannot deal with Donald and Goofy trying to be these dramatic driven characters that have t- development. It's just so bizarre to me. And the first time I played, it, I loved it. I loved the the combination of the Disney characters alongside uh, the Squaresoft characters. But the last time I did it, it just felt so forced and the dialogue is just so brutal, and the main story just gets so convoluted <laughs> that I just couldn't do it. Um, so I really wish I could. I, I wish I could just like close my my uh, brain off for a little bit and and just play all ten of them. That's actually kind of weird because I've been really wanting to play Kingdom Hearts recently because mm, of uh, <laughs> because of one of the other hosts over on Active Quest, Queers Penwell, does another podcast called Let's Be Geek. And he had a couple of guests on there, um, Grayson Morales and PlayStation, and they were talking about Kingdom Hearts, and them just gushing over it made me want to play it so bad. No, all right, Vaughn, <laughs> go if you want my uh, if you want the hot scoop on uh, Kingdom Hearts. Oh God, listen, I forgot about this. <laughs> listen to our episode number nine, okay? You just Robert shit goes on Kingdom on a Hearts. Ninety-minute tangent, literally. <laughs> 90 minutes by himself, Blake and I, very little talking. 90 minutes of him just complaining about this game. Justifiably <laughs> so, but it's 90 minutes of him. And he loves Goofy. Goofy is like one of his favorites. Oh, yeah, characters. I love Goofy. I'll give you that. Yeah. It, it's a tough one. I know a lot of people have, have a, a lot of love for it. 
I wish I did. I enjoyed it when I was younger, but the storyline is just too kiddish, and the overall gameplay is just not enough to keep it there. And then you have like the it's side. It's so frustrating. Stuff. It's really frustrating, and then the side stuff just—it's cool and it's interesting, but it gets to a point where it just becomes tedious and just not fun. And the levels so. are so annoying. Some of them, <laughs> yeah. Like Pinocchio's world is really fucking annoying. Pinocchio's world, the jungle world, the um, Azkaban. You're about to name them all. You're about to name yeah, them basically. all right now. <laughs> Basically everything. Pick up ninety minutes again. Episode number nine. I just pulled it up to to make sure that's the one. You just need to give that a listen before you play this game. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and good luck. I mean, the first one is probably the best one that I played out of all of them. Uh, the second one was so rough. I've actually only played two, and I actually enjoyed it. But that was also when I was ten and didn't realize that I could level up. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> my, my biggest complaint with that is the fact that you play a uh, character for ten hours at the beginning that isn't the main character you finish the first one and all you do want to do is play sora and the second one starts and 10 hours in is when you get to see sora again and they sort of tie it back together towards the end but it's like so convoluted and just like that i think roxas is pretty cool that's just me so cringy he's so cringy he's like a cringier sora oh and they're basically like he just like lives with his friends on the street there's like street urchins i was like okay that's cool Anyways, tangents. Uh, speaking of tangents, I have one if you guys have a second. Robert, we are so <laughs> far into this episode right now. Can I please? Is this your number one? No. that's not, That wouldn't oh. be a tangent. That would be the main course of our conversation. True. All right. I, I'll do it after we are done with our top fives. Okay, how about that? <laughs> I appreciate you. Okay. Number My number one, Chrono Trigger. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, you didn't like Chrono Trigger. I don't... Okay, no, remember? Okay, this is what happened. The first time I played it, I played the uh, the PlayStation version. Yeah, which that's right, which is a bad one. terrible because every time you do anything, you, there's like a five-second pause, and it sucks. Uh, then I replayed it for super, like the actual Super Nintendo version, and it was good. I did like it, but kind of the same thing with Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. I didn't have this, like, holy shit, this is the best game of all time type of experience with it. I was just like, yeah, it's pretty good. It had a lot of really, really good parts, but overall I wasn't like, holy shit, this is my, this is, this has changed my life. Right. And, uh, yeah, like everybody else who's played it, it's like, oh yeah, no doubt whatsoever, best game of all time. For me, it's like, I'm like, no, it's. It's definitely up there for me. I, I kind of like Earthbound more, though, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, Earthbound is just such such great dialogue. I absolutely love, dialogue love Earthbound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one I ended up liking, and especially now that I'm like, something's come over me and I'm <laughs> liking RPGs Ooh, more. Ooh, RPGs. Yeah. Um, I, now I especially wish I liked this more, but I just, I just didn't have that same absolute love for it that most people do. It is a very, 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 very good game. Yeah. I've only played the like DS version of it. Um, supposed, that's supposed DS to be a good version, I think. Yeah, that's what I've heard is that a lot of people actually prefer the DS version, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Uh, definitely not the PC version because apparently that's fucking atrocious. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, I played the DS version for a while, and I feel basically the same way that I'm. I'm not the biggest fan ever. Um, but I think the character designs and the world is so cool. Yeah. That they have just like fucking frog people and robots, <laughs> yeah. 
time travel. Like it's so right, exactly. awesome. Yeah. They do but a great job of developing that world. I've yeah, I just I, I feel like I probably just haven't given it enough time. Um and I need to really just like sit down and sink my teeth into it because it seems like a really cool game. The music for that game can carry it for me for so long. Just the music alone is just so good. Incredible. Yeah, it's soundtrack. got good music. Yeah, I'll have to actually like oh, I have it stuck in my play. head. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one to have stuck in your head. All right, Jay, number one most game that you wish you loved more. <sighs> Robert, you're going to love me for this. So I actually don't have a specific one. It's more of a series, so sorry if this is a cop-out. But any Metal Gear Solid game, I envy oh, wow. everybody who enjoys Metal Gear Solid a lot. Because growing up, Metal Gear Solid was the thing that everybody talked about. Unfortunately, I didn't play it enough as a child. I did a little bit of a co-op playthrough with a buddy of mine, and I watched uh, people do a couple minor playthroughs of them. And I wish I enjoyed it. People truly enjoy these games. I mean, it has such a cult following. Every single one of them, not every single one of them, the, the, a few of them have a very, very strong following that it just seems like something that I, I feel like I missed out on. And I wish that I could capture it now. I tried to go back and play uh, a few of them for the podcast a few different times. And I got a few hours in and I understood pieces of what people liked about it. But I just couldn't get anywhere near. I couldn't get nearly as much enjoy- enjoyment as it seems like everybody else has. That's understandable. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a series that's not for everybody. Yeah, uh, I fucking love it. It's like my it's 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 I'm one of those people who's like, yeah, this was made for me, basically. Yeah, and that's that's what I get from a lot of people. I mean, it is a very, very beloved game. And obviously, that, that was all made by Hideo Kojima, correct? Yeah. That's all his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's interesting, too, because people enjoy that series so much that now they follow him. And it's like anything he does, they're instantly like, oh, I'm probably going to enjoy this because of the fact that he's involved. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Death, Death Stranding just came out. And, uh, that's right. I, bought, I haven't started it yet, but I, I do have – I went ahead and pre-ordered it, and I, and I, and I own it now. But – I like I'm playing other things, so I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm really looking forward to playing it, and uh, it's kind of one of those situations where it's like I pre-ordered it, which I always say you should not do. But for, <laughs> but for me, I was like, you know, like I'm such a fan of his work. Even if I don't end up liking, even if it's not a good game, I still want to see it and I still want to play it yeah. just to kind of see for myself. Have you guys heard about the like most recent quote unquote controversy with Hideo Kojima? I was going to say I heard something about it, but I can't speak to it. I don't think I don't know. I heard this. So there's like there was a an interview that he did with a publication in Italy. So this makes it really weird. Um, Greg on Kind of Funny Games Daily kind of brought this up that there's a quote that somebody did that really pissed off a lot of people in America. If it's true, makes a lot of sense that it did. But um, he basically said that, like, the reason that Americans, like, because people overseas really love his game and they seem to be giving it, uh, seem to be giving Death Stranding a lot of really good reviews. But in America, there's a decent amount of people who don't like it or actually giving it low scores. Um, Basically keeping it in the 80s instead of allowing it to raise into the 90s on Metacritic. And supposedly... And nobody knows yet whether this is a mistranslation because it basically. Oh, I heard this. I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. He speaks Japanese. Then they translated it to Itali- Italian. Right, then right. they translated it to like English. It could absolutely be a mistranslation. But supposedly he said that Americans are not smart enough to un- like enjoy his mm-hmm. game. Yeah, he said like it goes over the heads of people who are like so like really just into f- like first person shooters or so or like that was what the translation yeah. supposedly was. 
And uh, I'm with you. Like, I really feel like you have to take that with an enormous grain of salt because it's gone through like three different stages of translation. And I mean, that could be what he said. Who knows? But I also don't really know that that's necessarily the case. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you guys how you felt about Hideo Kojima, like just as a person, what who you thought he was, just like as a gut feeling. I think he's cool. I mean, he certainly had. So I'm a huge fan of his stuff. I'm a big Metal Gear Solid fan. Um, I think he's super cool. I think his work is cool. I think he can be uh, a little bit pompous in some ways at times. But uh, at the same time, like, I feel like he's kind of almost earned the right to be pompous, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, the, I think it was kind of like one thing that comes to mind is when uh, before Metal Gear Solid 5 came out, and we saw, like, we had seen trailers and stuff, and people were criticizing him because of uh, of Quiet, of, like, how, she, like, her outfit is so revealing. And he said, like, when you see the reason in the game why her outfit is revealing, you're going to be filled with shame. <laughs> it's like, no, Hideo, just shut up. Nobody's going to feel shame. I don't care what the reason is that she's wearing, like, a revealing outfit. Nobody's going to feel shame for criticizing you because of it. Like, that was kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Like, sometimes he says stuff like that. It's like, all right, no, just, like, stop, please. But, like, at the same time, he's done so much awesome stuff that I that I just kind of, like, I feel like he's kind of earned enough clout to let, like, to, to be able to say dumb things now and then. Yeah, I feel I have like kind of a weird impression of Hideo Kojima because I mean, I've never met the guy and I don't I've never played really any of the Metal Gear games. So I haven't really made like got an impression of him. But I've always had this gut feeling that he's kind of self-obsessed. Oh, I think I think 100 percent. That's probably very true. Yeah. And that sounds like an insult, but I actually don't think like I don't mean it as one. Like, hey, if you're obsessed with yourself, like if you're a narcissist, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Like most people are actually kind of obsessed with themselves. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I've just always had that feeling. So I'm like, yeah, it would make sense if he said that people weren't smart enough to understand his game. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. It would make sense. And if he said that, I really wouldn't be surprised. And he very well may have said exactly what it translated to. But at the same time. It could have very easily been mis- you know, been translated in just a different way. Um, but yeah, yeah, like in Metal Gear Solid 5, every single mission, there's credits after every single mission. And of course, like first and foremost, it's always like Hideo Kojima, this and that. And supposedly, that's exactly how uh, Death Straining is also. Like I've heard so many people say like through the first like several hours of the game, like his name is just popping up all over the place, like making sure that, you know, that he wrote this story and he's, he came up with the concept and all this stuff. It's kind of hilarious in a way. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to defend him cause it definitely could very well be the case. He does seem a bit narcissistic for me. I just don't really care too much if he is. Oh yeah. I don't think anybody really should. Hey, if he is, that's cool. It yeah. doesn't really matter. <laughs> yep. All right, is that, do we, have we finished? or the last one. last one, okay. Damn, those are pretty good lists, I think. Yeah, it turned out way better than I expected, to be honest with you. (laughs) All right, our next top five. Sometimes we do these top five, and I'm like, oh, this is going to go well. Other times I'm like, eh, this is one of those, eh, but it turned out really well. (laughs) Our next top five is going to be, uh, this was a um, a, uh, suggestion that one of our listeners wrote in. I think it may have been, 
Sven that that suggested this, but we're going to do it. Whoever it was top five games that you want to hate, but can't deny the fact that you enjoy playing them. So basically the opposite of what we did today. Mm-hmm. Today was uh, games that you wish you liked more game. This, uh, this other one was games that you wish you hated basically, but you do like. So uh, email those in mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. So with that out of the way, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off on my. I'm gonna do my. Uh, tan- this is a long enough episode, anyways. I feel like like we're all gonna be sleep deprived, so I might as well do this. I have a funny story before we get into emails. Is it all right with you guys if I tell you this? Yeah. No. All right, I'm doing it. So earlier, you know how I was telling you, I was texting you on dis or like via via on via Discord on my phone because my internet was out, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so my <laughs> my mother in law is in town, and um. I was in like the room, like it's my daughter's playroom where we have our modem. And I was like trying to figure out, I was trying to see if I could just reset it or something. If maybe it was just the modem yeah. that was messed up. <laughs> and she, she asked me what I was doing. And I said, um, oh, the internet's out. I'm seeing if I can fix it. <laughs> she goes, well, I walked outside. Maybe that did something. Oh my God. Stop. <laughs> I never, I'm always confused by when people say shit like that. It's just like. In what universe is that the right thing to say? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I go, well, did you unplug something? Yeah. And she was like, no. oh, no, 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 no. I just, um, and so like we recently got some, uh, like some cameras around the house, like on the front door and that, on that kind of stuff. Sure. <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't unplug anything. Uh, I just wondered if like one of the cameras saw me. What? <laughs> I just go. You can't just say things like that. I just go. No, um, the camera seeing you wouldn't cause the internet to go out. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to say to that? Like, how's yeah, that yeah. conversation? All right, with that out of the way, let's talk about emails. Or instead of talking about emails, we'll just read the emails. How about that? I like that. You know what? I had them pulled up a second ago, and then I closed them out. So let me pull it up again. Oh no, I'm sorry. Um, ba 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 ba. I should have had the Google Docs open also, so I can uh, share them with you guys. All right, I'll go ahead and read the first one. This one comes in from Father Beast. Ooh, he's got a long one. All right, Father Beast says, "Hello, classic gamers. Father Beast here. The topic." For the top five this time is games that I wish I liked better. I have the feeling that this is pretty similar to the topic of games you think you should like, but you don't. Uh, I wonder if there will be some crossover between that top five and this one. As for me, I seemed to come up mostly with games that I do actually like, just not as much as I might, just as not, just not as much as I might like. So maybe the list is turning out, is turning out to be different. Let's take a look. Top five games I wish I liked more. Number five, Space Quest Three: The Pirates of Pestilon. A while back, I decided that I would play through the Space Quest series. I played Space Quest 1 VGA and had a good time. I moved on to the fan remake of Space Quest 2 and had a blast. I was a little nervous about Space Quest 3 since there was no fan remake, so the only version available was the original with a text parser. But I jumped in anyway. I had no fun at all. The only way I could do anything was to follow a walkthrough precisely. 
If I tried to do anything to explore on my own, I would either die immediately or nothing would happen. <clears throat> Part of this was because I lacked the vocabulary and didn't know some key commands. Like every, like how every time I tried to look at something in the junkyard to get a better description, the game would respond that I did not have it in my inventory. I kept getting glimpses of an enjoyable game. I just didn't experience it. The really sad thing is that it stopped my Space Quest playthrough cold. I was really looking forward to Space Quest 4, but I just couldn't face any more Space Quest after that. Yeah, uh, any adventure game with a text parser pretty much, except for like some of the like purely text-based games, they, they pretty much all suck. Um, the rest of the Space Quest games are not great in my opinion, but they're eons better than the text parser ones. <clears throat> His number four, Heroes of Might and Magic 3, hmm. uh, the restoration of Irathia. I loved Heroes of Might and Magic 2, the Succession Wars, so much since it fixed all the problems that the first installment of the series had. And I liked the first version pretty well. You might recall that Heroes 2 was one of my favorite games of all time. I had high hopes that the third version would be another vast improvement. But when I actually played, I just got confused. I had gotten used to, uh, to all the heroes in the first two games and had assigned them personalities in my mind, but now they were all messed up and moved haphazardly between factions. The creatures were all mixed up in a blender and scattered to the many castles. Uh, to the many castles also. And what's with these serpent flies? Most importantly, where are the peasants? In time, I got used to all its quirks and enjoyed it for what it is, but I never got the unreasonable love that most people seem to have for this game. I've already experienced the best of the series. I can only assume that most people had number three as their first experience with the ser series, and that accounts for it being a fan favorite. Jay, you're a Heroes of Might and Magic 3 fan, Absolutely. aren't you? Mm -hmm. What do you think about uh, what do you think about this? Uh, I actually trust Father Beast's judgment. Honestly. I really like Heroes of Might and Magic Complete, which is the, the combination of all three. Uh, I think it's three or four different pieces of Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Um, but I, I, I respect it for sure. I love playing that game. Holy crap, it's such a fun game. All right. Number three, Alpha Centauri. Oh, wow. Being a major Civilization fan, it only made sense that I would try this game out. When you first play it, it seems almost like a mod of Civilization 2. It takes a bit of playing to realize the increased depth. I played this a few times and was impressed by all the possibilities. The problem was that I get, got distracted by all the other games I had to play, including Civ 2, and never got back to it. I'm sure it's an amazing game, I just never took the time to really explore it. Number two, TIE Fighter. Oh, wow. I got my first copy of X-Wing from a trash can where someone had thrown theirs away. It was on multiple floppy disks and some of them had errors and my install crashed a lot. My first chance to have a fully working copy of X-Wing was when I bought this bundle, which had X-Wing CD-ROM Collector's Edition, TIE Fighter CD-ROM Collector's Edition, and X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter Flight School. I was most interested in playing a fully working version of X-Wing, so I put off playing TIE Fighter. I never did make my way all the way through X-Wing. I didn't even make my diploma for flying the training maze properly. I The the training stuff on X-Wing is a big fucking hassle. Uh, that game is hard and takes some dedication. I eventually did play a little bit of TIE Fighter, but I always stopped because I felt like I should just finish X-Wing before going on to TIE Fighter. So now TIE Fighter is accounted to be the most awesome of all the series, and I can only suppose it's probably true. I just never played enough of it to find out. Yes, that is 100% true. TIE Fighter is an amazing game, and much, much better than X-Wing. 
All right, number one, he says, Master of Orion 2, Battle at Antares. The original Master of Orion is one of my favorite games of all time, and it was a given that I would get the sequel. Unfortunately, uh, Master of Orion 2 is a completely different game, almost unrelated to the first game. People have sometimes referred to it as Civ in Space. I think of it more of Master of Magic in Space. I like Master of Magic and I like Civilization, but I feel as if they don't work so well in a space setting. In actuality, my feelings are probably more due to how I was wanting more Master of Orion, and they gave me a totally different space game that was just called Master of Orion. Over time, I learned I learned the game and even had a little fun with it, but it never became one of the greats. But nowadays, people seem to have this unreasonable affection for Master of Orion 2, which is even more inexplicable than people's love for Heroes 3. Mm. Intermission, current gaming subcast. Jay. Hello, sir. I feel my voice starting to go a tiny bit. I'm gonna do you mind reading the rest of this email? How dare you, Robert? Yeah. Like so halfway through. I'm gonna remember this next time. Let me paste the uh Google Docs thing. I already have it. Just let oh, me know okay. when you paste it. Okay, there it is. I'm prepared. <clears throat> okay. All right. Oh, I'm so happy to hear this. I actually want to hear about this game. Uh, most of my current gaming is taken up by a single game, and that is Factorio. I've actually heard a lot about this game. I've heard yep. really good things about it. Uh, my me. oldest son turned uh, me on to this a couple years ago. It's still in early access, and updates are being made all the time. I bought it so I could play in early access. It's a game where you make stuff. Okay, I like to describe it this way. You know, like Minecraft, where you get resources and smelt ore and make stuff you can use? Well, Factorio is like that, except for two main things. One, there's no digging. Everything's on the surface for you to pick up. And two, the idea is not for you to make everything, but rather to get a bunch of machines to make it for you. So you make these assembly lines where the ore from the miners is taken to the ore smelters, and then where they need to, needed to make the other things. After a while, the factory has expanded to meet the needs of the expanding factory. My son, who recommended the game, said to me, he had quit playing Factorio because he couldn't stop playing Factorio. That is, every time he sat down to play, he would st would only stop when hunger and lack of sleep forced him to do so. He couldn't understand how it was possible that I could only play for an hour and then go to work. I told him, hey, I played Master of Orion. I played the game, and when I'm on the computer uh, that can play modern games, I also have a couple of Windows XP computers sitting around. Wow. Uh, I used to play older games. Uh, Factorio is all I play. Until recently, another game has pulled me away from my constant obsession with Factorio. That game is Dominus uh, Galaxia. What is that, you ask? Well, you know how every other space game of the last uh, last couple de decades is a spiritual successor or inspired by Master of Orion 2? Well, Dominus Galaxia is a spiritual successor to Master of Orion 1. It is also in early access, but sort of a beta copy is available on itch.io, and I got that. And for the last five days, uh, that has been all I've been playing on the modern computer. End of intermission. So anyways, I've felt uh, somewhat left out of all the fandom coming from people, uh, people's love for MOO2. I might wish that I liked that game more, but I don't. Next subject. One of the games on the Commodore 64 Mini, since I've got to feature one in my last letter. Don't worry, I don't plan to bombard you every time with a Commodore game. I'm just covering the ones from my top fives I would play on the Commodore 64 Mini from some time back. Uh, the game is this time is Impossible Mission. Impossible Mission comes preloaded on this Commodore 64 Mini along with the Impossible Mission 2. 
It casts you as a secret agent infiltrating the base of some mad scientist. You start off in an elevator and you can run, or excuse me, you can move it up and down by pushing the up and down or go uh, down one of the corridors by pushing left or right. Uh, the corridors will lead to the rooms with robots and things to examine. Each room is like its, is like its own level. With you trying to figure out the puzzle of how to get stuff without getting killed. Touching a robot is instant death by disintegration. But death isn't too bad since it resets you to the start of the room. And you still have any secrets you've collected. You're penalized 10 minutes of time for each death though. And you have 6 hours to finish the whole game. So it's kind of like having a generous lives limit. Each room is a different setup of platforms. And you can jump, uh, run, and take lifts to get everywhere. Your goal is to examine everything for secrets, and you can do that by standing in front of a piece of furniture and, pu and pushing forward. It takes a few seconds, and then you have then you have a secret, or often nothing. Secrets are codes to either temporarily disable robots in the room or the rest of the platforms, or it can be puzzle pieces. When you go back out to the corridor and elevator section, you can try to put the puzzle pieces together. The pieces will assemble, when you are successful, into what looks like a bunch of punch cards for a computer. Ultimately, your goal is to get all the puzzle pieces and put them together properly. If you do that, you can go through the door you have found in your travels and win. Pros, the sound is amazing. This is the first time I heard a digitalized voices in a game. You're greeted at the start of the game with, a, with another visitor. Stay a while, stay forever. That has, become an, that has become so iconic that it is intro to episodes of the German retro PC gaming podcast, Stay Forever. Uh, you will also hear the voice encouraging the robots to destroy you sometimes. And if you fall through the holes in the floor of a room, you get this agonized scream. Other sounds are also well done. There is no in-game music, but the clack-clack of your shoes running through the hall is great and is the sound of you being disintegrated. The visuals are also pretty good. The graphics look primitive, but the running and jumping is so smooth, I could hardly believe something this smooth was running on the Commodore back in the day. Uh, the jump... The jump isn't just like a little hop like in a Mario or Jumpman. It's a smooth, somersaulting thing that is really cool. Cons, the graphics can be a problem when assembling the puzzles. Many was the time that I missed the right piece because I didn't look because it didn't look like it would fit. Also, the game has it, the game is balls hard. If I didn't have save states, there'd be no way I could ever even get a quarter into this game. The robots are instant death and difficult to avoid, and the jumping sometimes has to be pixel perfect. There was many times that I heard the death scream over and over and over as I tried to figure out the perfect jump. The codes that disable the robots are a few and far between and only work for a handful of seconds. At least one room had the combo of having the perfect jump to the computer, put the code, uh, put the sleep code, then several perfect jumps to get the last piece before the robots woke up. Final verdict, I'm glad I played the technical appeal, but I played it for the technical appeal, but the difficulty means I don't ever want to play it again. So it's a rogue autumn. I've got the game, um, and I bought a notebook to record the adventures of my Doom character in the Dungeons of Doom. I also grabbed Ragnarok, and maybe I'll do that too. Hope I get to this one in time. Still listening, Father Beast. All right, sweet. Thank you, Father Beast, as always. Yeah, yeah thank you muchly. We got two more emails. This one's from Sven. Sven says, uh, "Hi, Rob. Hi, Job, and Ray." Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Here's my top five games that I wish I liked more. Number five, any old-fashioned text adventure. So this is true for any... Oh, that's a good one, actually. So this is true for any purely text-based adventure games like uh, the games of the Zork series, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Gruds in Space, and similar titles. Theoretically, I should like these games because they encapsulate something very pure and very simple, 
They don't need fancy graphics or dozens of buttons and keys to control a character. You read, you type, you hit enter, that's it. It could also be seen as a sort of interactive novel, but sadly I can't seem to find any lasting joy when trying to play such a text adventure. I'd rather read an actual book than sit in front of a screen playing an interactive one. Vaughn, how do you feel about purely based text adventure games? I honestly have never played one before. Um, I've always wanted to try them just because they're so obscure and weird, but yeah. I've never had a chance to. I think the only purely only text game that I've tried is is the first Zork game that he mentions, here, or he says the Zork series. I, I played the first Zork game. And I didn't get very far. It wasn't that I wasn't... I was like, okay, this is... I mean, it actually kind of works pretty well. They, they they did a good job on that one. It's not like one of the ones... It's not like the text parser adventure games where there's graphics also and, and it's really difficult to understand what you're supposed to type. In that series, I feel like they did a good job of like, you know, you, you don't have to come up with obscure things. You just type basically obvious things like walk north or this and that. Um, and I got kind of stuck... And I kind of gave up, but I didn't really give it a big chance. So I would like to go back and try that one again. Uh, number four, Mortal Kombat 2. Wow, back when I first saw MK2 in an arcade, I was blown away. It looked so damn cool and all the blood and ultraviolet finishing moves drew me in right away. I bought MK2 for the Sega Genesis and started playing it and realized that this was in fact not a very good game, at least not for long. It was fun at first and of course it was totally exciting to try out all the fatalities, babalities, and friendships. But after I had seen all of them a couple of times, I just saw the game for what it was, in fact. A fighting game with very similar characters with almost identical fighting mechanics. Sure, everything was way more brutal and graphic than in Street Fighter 2, but, regret but regrettably that does not hold up for too long. A fighting game needs first and foremost a number of utterly different, but still well-balanced characters to choose from, who also have very different play styles. Back then I really thought Street Fighter 2 was a game with boring characters and cheesy graphics that only losers played, Looking back today, there's no doubt it is the far better game. Wow. Number three, The Curse of Monkey Island. Ooh. So after Robert has become conscious again and picked himself up, let me clarify that I absolutely love Monkey Island 1, 2, and 4. Yes, that is a 4. A 4. The problem I have with Monkey Island 3 is actually only one thing, the style of the graphics. The appearance of Guybrush really puts me off big time. I know he's supposed to be this kind of likable and relatable anti-hero, but the way he is drawn in MI3 is definitely overdoing that. I simply hate controlling this lanky, whiny, and frail character who has the walking speed of a 90-year-old cripple. I mean, sure, the game itself, the puzzles, the music, those are all on the same level as, in the, other, as the other games of the series, but the ugly graphics and terrible design of Guybrush, who is visible on the screen 99% of the time, naturally are enough for me to say I don't really like this game. And that is a regret because it somehow taints the whole series for me. I, I, can, I can understand that. I don't, this isn't the type of uh, graphic, the type of art style that I usually like, but for, for me, it does work for this game. But but I can, I, I do prefer like one and two, like those graphics better, uh, like that style better. Uh, so I can understand where you're coming from. Number two, GTA 3. What I don't like about GTA is true for all parts of the series, but for the reason of this being the classic gaming podcast, I'm picking GTA 3 here sort of exemplary. The issue I have with these is first off the gameplay itself. I never really saw the fun in pulling people out of their cars and riding around in stolen vehicles randomly without any real goal or destination. Well, that's your first problem, Sven. Uh, sure, it is fun for the first half hour, but things 
then get very repetitive very quickly. So I tried to focus on following the main story and try to progress in that. That is when I sadly found out the story is absolutely generic, basic, and cliche-ridden. I hate all the characters. I hate the missions they give you. I hate the fact that everyone is talking in this again. Very gener very generic and boring, gangsta-style. People in the industry seem to think such people equal criminals have to talk. Uh, naturally, everyone has a foreign accent. Everyone is a tough gangsta, in all caps. Everyone ultra-cool and full of himself, etc., etc., Vaughn, thoughts on the GTA series? Um, I have only played... I played some uh, San Andreas, and I actually really liked the RPG elements in it where you had to, like... Well, I mean, you could. Uh, you'd, like, ride your bike, and you'd upgrade your cardio, and you'd go to the gym, and you upgrade your, like, physique. I thought that was all really cool. Other than that, um, I played a little bit of Grand Theft Auto V and enjoyed... Like the the characters for the most part, I thought Trevor was fantastic because he's just so weird <laughs> and interesting. Um, and I'd love just randomly switching to Trevor and he'd be like literally just out in the middle of nowhere, like peeing on someone. And you're like, what the? F <laughs> Where did this even come from? Uh, other than that, my memories with Grand Theft Auto come primarily from Vice City playing it with my brother when I was younger and uh or like playing with my friends and my brother whoever and it would be like a okay you play until you die and then once you die you switch like you give somebody else the controller and then i was like okay and then there was always that one person that was gullible enough that was like hey will you put in the driving on water cheat and i'm like yeah dude i got you knowing that my turn was next and i was like just clicked a bunch of buttons did some stupid shit and i'm like yeah go for it and then they drive into the water and die and i'm like hot bitch and just like jack the controller from him. That's for the most part my, my favorite Grand Theft Auto memory is that one. But uh That's yeah, weird. I've liked I like Grand Theft Auto and I've enjoyed the games. Um I don't care that much about them. Uh they've never been really my like I don't know. They they've never been a really big thing for me, even like Grand Theft Auto Law Online, which is apparently just massive and continues to sell Grand Theft Auto five. Mm -hmm. But uh yeah, yeah. Do you play a lot of Grand Theft Auto? You big fan? I've no, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan. I did play three and Vice City and San Andreas, and I really did love all of those. Um, I never played four. I did play a little bit of five. Uh, like I really, really loved the PlayStation Two ones, three Vice City, San Andreas, and then after that, I was just kind of like, all right, I've kind of had my fill. Yeah, makes sense. I feel like it's just the same gameplay over and over again. Yeah, that's, that's how why I, feel. I thought. Yeah, that's why I thought like live or uh, yeah, GTA Online was kind of cool, and then yeah, it just kind of comes to a standstill. It's like cool. I have an apartment. I have a bike. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. The the right. coolest thing about it was people's reactions to me just playing team deathmatch with only a pistol, and they're like, "Oh my god." What the fuck is happening? <laughs> and I remember one match where I like shot a guy out of a helicopter with a pistol. And these guys were like, uh, who the fuck? What just happened? And I was like, literally all I use is pistols in this game. Cause I think they're so fucking cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. And Sven's number one. Uh Oh, Jay, hmm? you and me both. Uh Oh, it's earthbound. Hmm. <laughs> this is probably surprising and lets me appear as an, uh, and lets me appear as an ignorant bastard, but I honestly cannot say that I love Earthbound. I like it, 
but there are certain aspects of the game that let me stop playing it after being about 8 to 10 hours in. The story, the characters, the graphics, the music, all of these are great. But the combat was just too boring for me to go through all these battles doing nothing else but mashing the A button. Except for some boss battles where you have to use a spell occasionally. I know Jay is now going to exhale deeply and at the same time say something like, Yeah, well... Welcome to RPGs, honestly. <laughs> trying trying to sound cool, but failing miserably. Damn, Jay. Wow. That's not called for. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, it is also really sad and actually an issue for me that you can't see your party when being in a battle. For some reason, when I don't see my characters at least doing a simple animation, showing them swinging a weapon or something like that, it really takes away the fun of the battles. Everything seems very artificial and sober, and I cannot immerse myself in the combat at all. I really would like to love the game more, having heard so much praise about it in your podcast by now, and truly appreciating the humor and the unique story, but that is not the case, regrettably. Guess that's all for now. Thank you once more for your passion and dedication to classic games, Sven. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I kind of I understand that for sure. I think... And it's been a while since I've played it, but if I remember correctly, the the yes, it is true. But I think the combat does actually get a little bit better a little bit later in the game. Is that? Yeah. Do you remember? I would think so. Yeah, especially with the instant kill mechanic for mobs that are a certain level lower than you. So it's kind of nice if you're just like clearing away through certain areas, or if you're like really high level. Mm-hmm. So I I do remember it getting a little bit more, um, more depth to it. But right, you know, it, it's an RPG. <laughs> <laughs> you did sound cool i think thanks dog I try <laughs> he's burning this dude <laughs> <laughs> all right last one this is from chase the night cleaner uh jay can you, can you yes sir it? yeah sure hello gentlemen chase the night cleaner here with this next fresh email for you both so what's shaking? It looks like everybody survived BlizzCon and there's a new Diablo on the way. The Warcraft 3 remaster seems like a real promising thing. Even I, a dude who doesn't like smaller skirmisher, excuse me, excuse me, didn't like the smaller skirmish feel of that game. I'm excited to see how that all plays out. By the way, their release date was summer of 2019. It is now November. Uh, they pulled the release date, by the way, off of uh, Warcraft 3. Oh. Uh, specific, uh, specifically, though, I want to hear from you, Jay, for a second on how things are going with Classic WoW. Are you still having a good time? So uh, they released Honor, which honors the PvP system that people use to rank up. And essentially what has happened every time I've logged on is I've literally gotten killed until I've logged off. It has been insane. <laughs> every single city, uh, every single zone, every single just been, place. You can't do anything about it? You can't do anything. I literally logged in. I died. I rezzed. I flew to another area. I landed. I died again. They killed the person so I couldn't fly away. And they're camping the graveyard. Literally, You're supposed I to be good been, at this game. Dog, it's it, the server I play on is like sixty percent one faction, forty percent another. We're like drastically outnumbered. It doesn't matter. You can have so all the skill you're in the world. Actually, on a PvP server. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm on one of the more populated PvP servers. It is brutal right now. So, it's uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, Chase goes on to say, "How do you feel uh, that the game is being supported by Blizzard, Activision, and do you have any concerns they may just dismiss the whole project?" Uh, based on their presentation of Classic WoW at BlizzCon, I am highly concerned that they're just going to dismiss the whole project. It seems like their focus is on the new expansion, which is going to be popular for five minutes and then flop like a dead fish on water, like every other expansion has done over the last six or eight years now. I'm highly concerned that Blizzard's just going to chop this up as a, a failed project and at some point or another, but. 
it's hard to tell. Blizzard is so ridiculous right now, and I don't think they're making enough money off Classic WoW, and I don't think that they can find a way to monetize it without damaging the integrity of the project. So I think it's a very, very difficult juggle, and it seems like Blizzard's head's so far up their ass that they're going to screw it up somehow. So pessimistic, but we'll see. Uh, Chase says, I personally played more WoW Classic in the last two months than I have played regular WoW in the last three years. Wow, that's just like everybody else. Uh, so if I represent a regular guy in my 30s, that means the law of averages says it might be at least a short-lived success. Chase says, now for Robert, are you playing Death Stranding yet? Uh, no, I have not. As I said, I said I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast, you probably heard. Uh, I own it. I haven't started playing it yet. Not sure exactly when I will. I don't feel... I really want to get into it, but I, I'm not feeling this burning need to just play it instantly. And there's a couple other things. I, I just finished up playing Octopath Traveler. I just finished Final Fantasy 1. Um, so, and there is another game. I'm playing uh, Until Dawn on PS4 for the first time, finally. And I think, and that's not supposed to be, I don't think, a very long game. I think once I finish that, then I'm going to go into Death Stranding, probably. But it's going to take me a long time to finish it because... First off, it's supposed to be a super fucking long game. And also, when so my, our PS4 is up in the front of the house, and that's the only, basically the only TV we have. Like, I have a TV in the back where, like, I have my office and all my retro stuff, but it, it's, a, it's a CRT TV, and it doesn't have HDMI, so I can't hook up the PS4 back here. So the only place I can play the PS4 is, in, is on, like, the one main TV of the house, and usually... Like my wife's wanting to watch TV or my daughter's playing Sims or something up there. So it's limited opportunity that I have to play video games up there where the PlayStation 4 is. So it's going to be a while before I'm able to, to, to make much of a dent into that. Uh, Chase goes on to say, if yes, do you like it? Which obviously he answered. Uh, if no, do you think you will someday? Uh, he answered that as well. Top fives. Games I ought to like but just can't. Number five. Command and Conquer and Red Alert. I played Dune 2 and then Warcraft and Warcraft 2 first. These games never grabbed me like a Blizzard RTS could. Yeah, I, I think you played them in the incorrect order. Warcraft is, I would say, a, a superior RTS uh, to both Command and Conquer and Red Alert. Command and Conquer and Red Alert. Warcraft very, 1? Uh, sorry, Warcraft 2 specifically. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Warcraft 1, I, I can't even compare the two. I uh. think they're similar in quality. Um, I think he played him in the wrong order, though, which is unfortunate. Uh, number four, Call of Duty. Any of them ever. I've never been into this series. I loved FPS games growing up, but this but this is just one game series that I never moved toward and don't really ever want to. Number three, Dragon Quest. Even though this series has always stuck to its roots and delivered the classic JRPG style that everyone claims they love time and time again, I have never been a huge fan of the series i beat the first and fifth game and blew dozens of hours of my life on the seventh uh, but i have but have not played anything new in the series since by all rights many of these games are just as great as final fantasy but i don't want to go back and any of them uh maybe i will when i retire have you guys are y'all dragon quest fans at all Either not massively no no I've like wanted to get into it a little bit, um, especially with Dragon Quest XI, yeah. and Josh kind of like gushed over it for quite a bit. However mm. much he said he doesn't like the like kind of just bland protagonist, he did say it was really good, and they've got awesome slimes, and I'm a big fan of slime design, so oh, yeah. that's a that's Who a thing. Freaking Josh, he gives me <laughs> shit for it every time. <laughs> 
<laughs> that I get so excited of like different slime designs because I think honestly slimes are the one creature that shows an artist's potential because they're so like bland but you can make them so special just by doing different stuff like making a gigantic eyeball or something weird it's it's interesting but I've always wanted to get into the Dragon Quest series. Um, I've only really the only games I've played in it are the Dragon Quest Monsters series, which is the uh, the like monster tamer games. Those ones are pretty cool, but uh, the like mainline series, I I haven't even touched. I've never, yeah, I've never played any Dragon Quest game whatsoever. Now that I'm the world's biggest RPG fan, maybe that'll happen soon. <laughs> uh, Chase goes on to say number two. Earthbound. There, I said it. I've bounced off this Damn. game too many times trying to get into it. I think it's cute, and I like a lot of the things it does, but I don't ever feel like playing this game to the end. Maybe I'll watch a Let's Play of it. Number one, Metal Gear Solid, the series Ouch. as a whole. Yeah, I just don't. Kojima just doesn't do it for me, and for some reason, <laughs> I have trouble enjoying these games. Chase, we are very similar in that regard. Um, Chase goes on to say, and now for the question of the day. What is your favorite class to play in D&D? Oh, whew. Robert, you want to start? I would say that my favorite is the one that I'm playing right now in the game that we're playing, Jay, which is... Mm -hmm. And first of all, I have limited experience with D&D. &D. This is the second or yeah, third game. But I'm same. playing a... Uh, what, what was that, Vaughn? I said same. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, I'm playing a bard right now. And that's really fun because it's you know different from just like roll the dice and see how much damage you do all the time. You, you know, you're doing other, you're, there's a little bit, for me, it's like a little bit more variety or a little bit different from typical game play stuff where it's like, yeah, you can do, you can attack if you want to, but typically you're like deciding who you want to buff and do this kind of stuff. So I, I like, I like doing that. Vaughn? Um, Favorite class is kind of interesting. I actually, I don't play much D&D &D anymore. I've dropped out of my games uh, or out of my groups mostly because it's just really time consuming. However fun, it just takes way more time than I'd anticipated. Um, so I've played a couple different classes that I've enjoyed. Initially, the first character I ever made, I totally built him wrong. It was the <laughs> worst I've ever chosen. Um I made a rogue and then I made an inquisitive rogue, which is basically Sherlock Holmes, but I didn't actually have like intelligence. And that's basically what that <laughs> build is based on. So I was just a dumb Sherlock Holmes who couldn't do squat. That's kind of awesome, awesome though. Yeah. And that, that went poorly. Um, I rarely got to use any cool skills, but after that, I actually, we started a, like a second group and this was actually my favorite character that I've ever made. Um, which was I made a halfling samurai who wore like plate armor. And it was my favorite because I kept calling myself a samurai, but you don't actually get the opportunity to like specialize for several levels. So the <laughs> other people in my group, we would come up to like different characters and uh, I would call myself the greatest samurai ever. And then they'd be like, you're not a samurai. And I actually even spent all my money in the opening town to get them, to get somebody <laughs> to just turn my long sword into a katana. And they're like, it's not going to do any more damage. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> a samurai needs a katana. And I thought it was exceptionally funny that I'm literally like, I was like a three foot tall, 
person. Or actually, no, I was I was slightly larger uh, because you have to actually be within like a certain range to be able to wield a longsword. Like you have to be a certain height. Otherwise, you swing with disadvantage, which is a big pain in the ass. But uh, yeah, um, the only thing that sucked was there's actually a homebrewed feat that I really wanted, which is called the strong grip feat. Which so since you're I was a, like a small stature character, I couldn't use. Um, I wanted to have like a Buster Sword basically, but I couldn't use like two-handed weapons. Or I could technically because I could basically just uh, two-hand a long sword, but I couldn't use a great sword, and that really pissed me off. But the reason my like the reason my DM wouldn't let me choose that homebrew feat is because it also would let you dual wield. Uh, great swords but swing with like a negative five <laughs> and i and they're all i just kept saying i was like i won't use it i promise and then in the back of my head i was like i fucking used it every day dude i don't give a shit and it was like the coolest thing ever but yeah that's that was my favorite character class wise um i would probably say a fighter just because i'm more of an up close and personal kind of a guy in D, but i'd like to try a lot of the magic classes because magic is just so interesting and weird um but spell slots are just such a pain in the ass they're they take getting used to yeah you always have to like use them and then you always have to make sure you rest or take long rest to recover spell slots it's just a whole thing i'm like eh, i'd rather just smack them with a sword well, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Real quick, what's your favorite, everybody's favorite RPG class? Favorite RPG? Oh, come I on. I think we had a top five on this one time a long time ago. I don't I don't know, actually. Um, Vaughn. Rogue. I like Summoner. I, I try to change every game. Like, when I play different RPGs where you can, like, do custom classes, I try to do different classes each time. I'm really enjoying playing my Barbarian where we're doing in D&D right now. I just love rolling the dice and doing damage. The exact opposite of what you said. It's <laughs> really fun. It's really fun to do big damage, and it's fun to get low in health and do more damage. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Is that a... Uh, Chase says, I've always been a rogue thief... Uh, excuse me, rogue slash thief fan myself. Lots of skill points, less emphasis on killing everything, and more about being able to solve other problems in and out of the dungeon. But, like, also the backstab bonuses are sick. And that's it for me today, gentlemen. Thank you as always for what you do and for providing us listeners with this great little part of your show. Cheers and talk again soon. Chase the Night Cleaner. Thank you, Chase. Thank you, Chase. I actually think that's going to do it for this episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast. (laughs) I think we're just going to not worry about current gaming subcast this time. I agree. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my fiance peeked in the door and she's like, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, as a quick reminder, our game of the quarter is rogue, the original, the 1980, whatever game. Um, then there's not a ton of good options of where to get this game, but if you want to play it so you can send in your thoughts for when we discuss this, it is, uh, you can play it online. You can play it in browser at playclassic.games. Just do a search for Rogue there. You can also, you can get it if you download DOSBox and like find it. There are plenty of places where you can find an install for that. It's a little bit more complicated. Um, Do whatever you want though. If you want to play it, uh, feel free to do so. We're going to be talking about that. It'll be two episodes from now where we're discussing the original Rogue. So again, if you want to take part in Game of the Quarter and send in your thoughts, uh, that's... That's what we're doing. 
Um, so Jay, real quick, some quick math. I'm looking here. Our next episode, sh- uh, should be, if all goes as planned, December 3rd, that Tuesday. Okay. okay. Then I think we'll do one more episode before the end of the year. Um, technically three weeks after that is the 24th. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe we'll do one like, maybe we'll do one, um, so the third is the next one. Maybe we'll just do two weeks after that one for our last episode of the year and do two weeks instead of three weeks in between episodes that time Okay. and do third and 17th. Well, you know, obviously this is all tentative. We'll see if that works sure. out. But, um, so, yeah, sure. so tentatively game of the quarter episode is going to be December 17th, two episodes from now. So just keep that in mind again, if you want to take part in that, as always, leave us sick reviews on iTunes, tell all your friends to listen to us, mail us, Mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Our top five for the next episode is top five games that you want to hate, but you can't deny the fact that you enjoy playing them. The opposite of what we did today, pretty much. Follow us at Class Gamescast. You can follow me. I am at King Octavius. Uh, Vaughn, tell us where we can follow all of you guys' stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hyde Legion, H-Y-D-E-L-E-G-I-O-N. It's a like my last name and then Legion from Mass Effect. You can follow Josh at the underscore Josh ninety Josh with an R because apparently he couldn't just get Josh. I don't know why he didn't try that hard. There's probably and, maybe maybe somebody else already has the name Josh. Yeah, maybe there's also eighty nine other the <laughs> underscore <laughs> go for that one. Uh, and you can follow our podcast on Twitter um, at IndiePod. You can also write in to that show as well and all sorts of stuff we're also part of the hp video game podcast network a bunch of other cool podcasts there as well so yeah thanks for having me on by the way this has been a fun four hours <laughs> yeah you didn't think yeah. it was gonna be four hours did you i know i did not <laughs> i knew this was gonna be fucking long i didn't think it was gonna be this fucking long like <laughs> this is uh i know the listeners like it so i won't i won't apologize but uh, well, i will apologize to vaughn <laughs> So, Vaughn, I'm sorry that we kept you for four hours, but we did have a ton of fun. Next time, cool. next time I'll try not to talk about just my game for a solid hour alone. <laughs> I thought this was really fun. I didn't really mind. I also like, I talk a lot, so it makes sense. Okay, well, that's good. Maybe we'll just do four hours every time you're on then from now on, because <laughs> I enjoyed it too. Um, so, yeah, Vaughn, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Josh, as well. As as I said earlier, uh, check out their podcast. It's lots of fun. Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast. It is. Uh, I'm a fan. How about that? Take that. Oh, that's that's all you need to know. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. Thanks again, Vaughn, for coming on. And we will yeah, thank see. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. And we will be back in three weeks. Bye. Uh.